All profit is value extraction. And that means that all profit is theft from you. Corporate America is on welfare, and they've got to get them off welfare. Welcome to Cars and Comrades, your favorite anarcho-Bidenist car podcast. Or, I can't remember, were we anarcho-Bidenist or Marxism-Bidenism? I can't remember. What was, do we have a consensus? I'm still anarcho-Stalinist. Anarcho-Stalinist over here? Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever it is, multi-tendency socialists doing a car podcast, because we still like cars, and yeah, hopefully our listeners do too. Anyway, this week... Oh, I'll go with revisionist hostess so that, like, the six people who get that joke will be very mad at me. <laughs> I'll, I'll say that I'm a, uh, a supremist in, in that I follow the uh, teachings of Vermin Supreme. <laughs> All right, well, a lot of ideological diversity here. But uh, anyway, hopefully your favorite socialist car podcast. Anyway, we're doing... Uh, news stories this week and uh some various updates so uh with me this week i've got uh brandon zach and bryant all he him pronouns Howdy. yep yep nope i'm anti-nouns oh anti-nouns great um yeah. and then uh this is uh this is connor the other host with also he him pronouns so i would prefer uh, not to be referred to for all intents and purposes i don't exist <laughs> I actually find existence itself pretty objectionable, so like, I'll respect everyone's pronouns, but I'm still just going to be anti-everything, because I didn't volunteer for this shit. <laughs> <laughs> I've been taking a lot of black pills lately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, haven't we all? Anyway, um, so let's, uh, let's get started with uh, various project car updates and whatnot. Um, I think that's... Uh, who goes first, usually? Brandon or Bryant? I can't remember. Well or wait, you had your um, your little thing for the listeners, right? Oh yeah, that's right. We're gonna do that first. Yeah, let's do that first. My bad. I see. I'm terrible at these intros. Still getting used to it. Sorry, <laughs> sorry if I created more work for whoever's editing this. Oh no, this is staying in. The listeners okay. got to see what this is. How the sausage is made, folks. It's ugly. <laughs> um. Anyway, so I did want to do um a little um call out here to any listeners who might have something to offer um if you listen to our show and you think you've got something that uh could be worth mentioning on the air we'd love to hear it um we like to interact with our listeners we do online all the time uh we've got all the social media platforms and uh i do interact with a lot of people online in that respect um but at the end of the day we are just uh four cis white dudes and uh our perspectives can be pretty limited so uh, we definitely want to hear from people who belong to various other communities and might have kind of different experiences that they'd like to talk about with respect to the car scene and, you know, how they might uh, navigate the car scene a little bit differently than someone like us, you know, who, who can kind of blend in pretty easily with a sometimes very reactionary crowd. So um, if you are, you know, female identifying or trans or non-binary or you are black indigenous or other person of color um please tell us about your experiences and 
if you're interested in coming on the show, we'd love to have you. We're not too elitist over here. Um, and I am. <laughs> except for Brandon. Um, but we're all pretty simple. We, you know, we don't have wild setups or anything. Come on the show. It really takes no practice. You can do it. Reach out to us. Um, our email is carsandcomrades at gmail.com. And if you follow us on social media, we are Cars and Comrades pretty much everywhere. So, or Cars and Comrades podcast. Uh, we're on Instagram. And if you don't follow us on social media, do that, you, you fucking asshole. Yeah, you should do that. <laughs> yeah, I put a lot of effort into various memes and such. Um, so, yeah. we're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Um, I don't post there very much, I'm going to be honest with you. But follow us there, and I might start posting there. We'll see. But... Um, we're also on Hexbear and Reddit and are there any others? I think that's all of them. I think you said Facebook, right? We're not really doing a whole lot of posts on there. Yeah. But... I'm pretty lazy on that, but follow us um, there, reach out and, uh, yeah, we want to hear from you and we want to work, you know, we want to put other voices forward more than just our own. Yeah. So you, or... should, uh, you should follow us on Facebook so that you can share our communist memes with your boomer parents. Cause that's exactly <laughs> You should follow us on Instagram so you can see me troll Connor from my personal account. <laughs> yeah, a, a, con, a yeah. constant. Or or what you should do is start your own uh, socialist part, car podcast and uh, become our rivals and bitter enemies. We need rivals. I'm still calling you out, Liam. Liam who? <laughs> Uh, oh, from uh, well, there's your problem. He seems like he'd be a really fun rival. Oh, there you go. Okay, we get, look. We got a rivalry. I got no starting. beef with him. I just want him. I just want a rivalry with someone. Yeah, we need a rivalry. It's 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 getting yeah. it's getting stale. <laughs> How about the New England Patriots? <laughs> they can be our rivals. I don't know. I'm actually comfortable being a rival of any Patriot. There you there go. You go. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, reach out. You know, we love our listeners and. Uh, we like hearing from various different kinds of people who have totally different experiences than us. Um, and we'd also like to hear in the future from, you know, uh, automotive techs or people who sell cars at dealerships, whatever. Um, definitely a lot of interesting topics yeah. out there. A lot to hear from. Seriously, if you're listening to this show, there's a good chance you've got something to contribute. Um, and we demand. There's that, that guy that called into. There's that guy that called into Street Fight like about a I want to say about a year ago who worked at a used car dealership who had some pretty good stories. Yeah, at some point. Yeah, I would so. venture to say that if you used to work at a car dealership, get in touch with us. If you currently work at a car dealership, what the fuck is wrong with you? Quit that job. <laughs> <laughs> You're the worst. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah that 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 person actually who called into Street Fight all that all that however long ago it was definitely got me thinking i was like there's some good info here uh, especially because i yeah. don't understand anything like how does a warranty work i don't know i'll, I'll probably right. never know because i'm just too scared of you should you gotta answer the call yeah. about your car's extended warranty <laughs> thank <laughs> you all uh well anyway that's my spiel reach out to us our email is cars and comrades at gmail.com and if you're not already following us on social media you should do that and, you know, reach out there. We get a lot of messages there as well. So we want to hear from you. We like our listeners. Please reach out. So Sweet. that's my spiel. All right. So what do we want to do for uh, 
Do you want to do reverse uh, alphabetical order since I think we did alphabetical last time for car project updates? Let's do it. Zach, you're first. That's that's me. Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly where the last update on the Ranger left off, but I've replaced basically every mechanical part on it at this point. Um, that's a front diff, rear diff, uh, engine, waiting on a transmission, radiator, uh, front hubs are getting rebuilt. It's got new brakes, a uh, new AC system, and I think that's about it for the big stuff. Oh, that's it. Every huh? little, yeah, that's all. Just those. <laughs> Congratulations on putting the most effort I've ever heard of anyone putting into a Ford Ranger. <laughs> right. It's so not worth it. I I love it. I uh, yeah, I'm waiting on a transmission right now because I uh, I tried to put a '95 transmission into a '93 and it's just too new. It's electronically controlled and it doesn't work. So I scrapped that. Uh, ended up getting my money back for that transmission, so no big loss there. But I decided to spend $2,100 on a rebuilt transmission uh, for a $2,800 truck, because I am so fucking good with my money. Like, it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. This should be a financial podcast. <laughs> I will say that I, th- I think this is a stance I've taken more so in private, like, group chats and whatnot but i i still will i will absolutely forever stand putting money into a vehicle and and just avoiding like the like the materialist aspect like not like dialectical materialist but like just wanting possessions always wanting new things blah 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 like fuck it man you're you're making a truck truly utilitarian by keeping it on the road forever i i support it it's it's a terrible financial decision but i mean a lot of good decisions are still bad financial decisions. You know what? It's I don't, I don't even doing things. For yourself. I don't even know if it's a bad financial decision. To to be honest with you, what what a four to six hundred dollar a month fucking car payment? I don't know. It's kind of a no brainer to me. I I also did just yeah. New cars are for suckers. Yeah, I've also spent many many thousands of dollars on my old two thousand three daily drift car, and so I you know I feel like uh, I gotta I gotta stick up for that too. So I get it. Yeah. Putting money into an old car feels weird, but you know, hey, it's new shit. It's rebuilt. It should last forever now. Fuck it. I'm with it. Yeah, that's that's the hope. I mean, I I'm gonna rationalize it by saying that you know, if it wasn't for me keeping it on the road, it would go to a junkyard, and then I would need to buy a different truck, and that's just not environmentally friendly. So you know, I'm doing it. I'm doing it for the planet. Really, that's that's gonna be my uh, justification here. Because it's a small truck, I feel like you can get away with that. Like they're not—they're not the modern super trucks that you know are obnoxious. No, it's definitely not. It does have a gigantic lift on it. It's got a five and a half inch lift and thirty-five inch tires, so it's bigger than most like twenty-five hundreds on the road. But it's such a small truck that it looks like someone who never skipped leg day and also never did arm day. <laughs> <laughs> which <laughs> I don't know why, but I think it's such a cool vibe. I love tiny <laughs> trucks with just massive lifts and tires on them because it's like, you know, if you do that to a twenty five hundred, it's like, ah, oh, that guy's compensating. Like that's that's little dick energy. But <laughs> if you do it to a beat to shit old little light duty pickup, I don't know. It's just got such the like classic. It's kind of monster you know, feel to dirt it. Dirt poor. 
dirt poor redneck vibe, you yeah. know, not this I new had a age lifted, chrome redneck. I had a lifted Toyota pickup, so I feel you. Like, oh, dude, why don't you? If Yoders weren't like fifteen grand for the cheapest ones, I would have an old like first gen Tacoma for sure. Yeah. I think they're so cool. No, this was like I. I I don't think it, it wasn't a Hilux, but it was like whatever, like the really small, like Toyota pickups are. A friend of mine had it, and it was long before I was a car guy. And he was leaving the country, and he was like, "Hey, do you just want this?" And I was like, "Well, yeah," because and like the gearing was all wrong. It wasn't on thirty fives or anything, and I don't remember how much lift it had. But I think it topped out at like seventy miles an hour or something <laughs> because it was just not built to like have the tires or, or lift that it had. And oh, yeah. I barely fit in the cab, but I still had to climb up into it because I'm fucking six <laughs> four. So like just yeah, it was it was all sorts of wonky. That truck ruled. I yeah, I think I think in the eighties they, they just called them the Toyota truck. Yeah. There was no it, like yep. it was late eighties to early nineties. So like I'm never sure what to call it because it wasn't like a Hilux, but it wasn't a Tacoma. Yep. It was Did they get called like a T a T100 or a T1000 or something like that? I think that was just like, a trim level. No, okay. that was a Terminator. Oh, okay. They actually had one as product placement in one of the Terminator movies. One of the, the not-so-good ones. I forget which one. But, uh, but, yeah, there's also the Toyota van. It was just called a van. I like, I like that, that. That's, simplicity. That is the, that is the like, <laughs> communist utopia that I hope for one day. This is this brand, and here it is. It, this is our van. This is our truck. This is our sedan. This is our muscle car. There you go. Toyota muscle car. Yeah. Ford van. Uh, you know, uh, Volkswagen sedan. That's what it should be. No more. No spending bajillions of dollars on stupid marketing. Hey, we're this company, and here's our van. Here's our truck, and here's our you know sporty you know uh, whatever. That's what it should be. No more names, just the car. Yeah, because they spend yeah. millions of dollars like focus grouping names, and then you get shit like a VW Arteon, which sounds <laughs> like a rejected Pokemon name. And I hate it. Connor's hate trying it. to bring brutalist architecture to automotive design. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love it. I don't know if concrete cars are a good idea, to be honest, but. I'm not saying make it out of concrete. I'm just make it insanely utilitarian at the expense of everything else. Like that's all. Yep. I'm with it. Yeah. Meanwhile, I'm over here like trying to buy paint setup so I can just put metal flake on everything I own. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that's all I had for mine. <laughs> all right, uh, that puts me next. Yep. Um, cool. I can do my ABCs. <laughs> um, you can do them in reverse. Yeah. See, I can't. I Not can't. Even when I'm I can't do the like full, uh, alpha, you know, alphabet backwards. Like, if I were to get pulled over sober, I'd be like, Nah, just come on now. Who can do that? Oh, I practice it a lot just in case I. Ever... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just kidding. I don't don't drive and don't drink and drive. That's I'm joking. <laughs> Yeah, don't do that. I don't condone that. I don't condone yes, that. Absolutely do not get caught drinking and driving. It's very bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, I, I haven't. Uh, I, I don't have too many updates um, this week, although I did run into a setback on my uh, Nissan, which is 
scary. Um, so I had Uh-oh. I had a uh, car's been in the shop all this all this time. I've been pushing back a tuning appointment till when it's done, you know. So I'm just keeping an appointment on the books. So I was I was running up on my latest appointment, and I you know we ran into a problem where you know shop calls me and says hey um there's only one head gasket in all your parts and I was like oh fuck you're sure there's not two and he looked around I looked around at home to see if I forgot it and I didn't see it he didn't see it so I was like fuck so I call um the place where I got all the parts Z1. And I hit him up and I was like, hey, I think there's a problem here. I don't think we got shipped the head gasket because we have the left side head gasket. And I think when I looked at it, I assumed that both were in there. And so I just was fine with it. Well, then it it takes forever to hear back. So I'm calling every day, you know, not really getting an answer. Oh, yeah, I'm going to go talk to so and so. And then I don't hear back. So I keep calling takes about four or five days, but then I figure that then I find out, okay, there was a mistake. So it didn't make it, it didn't actually ship out both head gaskets. So I only got one, which they actually said, I found this interesting. They're like, oh yeah, there was a problem with how it was like coded into our system. Cause like I bought it as part of like a full engine rebuild kit. Um, and so I was like, wow. And they really, it was a left side engine. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this was when I was like, Oh, I I guess that in th- sounds like no one else has ever ordered this rebuild kit before. <laughs> so uh, I did get I sprung for like the high end kit with like everything. Um, it was like it's the whatever quote unquote level three kit. Um, so this was like the top of the line shit. Guess I'm the only one who's ever gotten it because uh, they apparently didn't know about this issue in how they had the head gaskets. So, yeah, I got to be the lucky guinea pig that didn't get a head gasket. So anyway, they're like, oh, cool. We'll have it shipped direct from the manufacturer, whatever. We'll send you an email with an update, whatever. So I get an email the next day and it says, OK, um, it'll be shipping from Cometic, which is like the head gasket brand, which as far as I understand is like the head gasket you want. Like they are they're the they're the good shit. Well, so they say, OK, this will ship at the end of next month. And I was like, mm, nope. No, oh, yeah. Nope. <laughs> not going to work. So I call him up and I was like, hey, um, yeah, that's that's not going that's not going to do it for me. Uh, I need something else. So what can we figure out here? So we, we you know, we talk about it and we're like, oh, OK, so here's a Tomei head gasket set that's in stock. And um, here's the same size and everything, which Tomei is a perfectly good brand. I was like, yeah, let's do that. Ship that fucking today. Let's let's come on. Let's go. So they're shipping both head gaskets for Tomei, and then I have to send back the one I've got, and they've got notes, and you know I'm going to send it back and get a refund on that part of it, and I'm, I just got charged for the Tomei, which thankfully I'm not like super strapped for cash that I can I can do that, make it work, but like, um, yes, Zach, I have a question. Uh, with this engine rebuild, are you decking the block or the heads? Uh, yeah, all that was already or- done. Okay, yep. uh, is that factored into the head gasket size? Um, because there are different thicknesses, yep. and if you deck enough, you do need to change thickness. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be it's going to be stock thickness. It's not. It wasn't decked that like 
there wasn't that much that needed to be done. Everything was already pretty, okay. pretty fucking close. So like they took it apart and they're like, yeah, we don't have to fucking do too much work. We're, we're going to resurface okay. this, essentially. So I, I just watched someone do a whole Subaru engine rebuild and they're, they decked the block and heads and got it all together. And it was off enough that their intake and uh, exhaust manifolds wouldn't line up. So I was like, Oh shit. Huh? huh. Yeah, no, that, that that's can always be an issue. But I think, I think their stuff had been decked previously, at least uh-huh. a couple other times. So it was, okay. it had moved quite a bit. Yeah. That but, shouldn't, I don't know if I've talked about this, but I actually did work in an automotive machine shop for a short period of time, a few years back. And the guy went through it with me. You actually have to remove a pretty significant amount of material for things to start not lining up. Like you always want to make sure that you've got like piston and valve clearances, but like the amount of compression that you're adding by taking ten thousandths off of a head, not actually significant. You're not bumping I, that compression up by like a half a point or anything insane. Like Yeah. No. And I think he was upsizing his head studs as well, which created more torque on the head. Uh which affected it enough as well. And like I said, multiple times decking the heads at least once or twice on the block, a lot of material had yeah. been removed, but yeah, that'll, that'll fuck you up. Uh, no, for me, this that's is always something that needs to like, at least be considered like, yep. okay, is enough material coming off where I need to change the head gasket size? Cause yep. a lot of people don't realize there are different thicknesses. Nope. Yep. I have a quick, funny story Sorry. about that. I knew a guy who did a real quick and dirty top end rebuild on his uh, Jeep motor and it was making a weird noise when he was done. And this guy's a professional mechanic and he's fucking really good. Um, But we all make mistakes and this is barely even a mistake. He recognized immediately on the first drive that it was making a weird noise. And this was a Jeep that he personally owned that he was just trying to get back on the road as as quick as he could. It was a, I think a uh, Cherokee. I don't remember what it was exactly, but the piston was hitting the head. Oof. But Jeez. by a measure of like a thousandth. So it oh, wasn't even damaging anything. He could just audibly hear it hitting the edge of the head on one cylinder. Wow. Yeah, that's not supposed to happen. It, it like it didn't even damage the motor. That's yeah. crazy. Just enough to be like, that's that does not sound right. I'd have to tear this back apart. That's crazy. That is nuts. I I, uh, I knew a guy in college who his family had an old um, International Scout uh, that they were using for like a snowplow truck. Those fucking rule. And I think they took the engine apart once because the valve seat had popped out of the head. Um, and they also found um, like uh, just an, a nail stuck into the head. <laughs> or maybe it was into the top of the piston. So, like, someone had dropped a nail down the intake, and it had just embedded itself in the engine. <laughs> it's yeah, like, oh, yeah. maybe that's why it was, uh, you know, misfiring a little bit. <laughs> or maybe they just got really confused and thought that they had a nail head. Yeah. Which is a early, late 50s, early 60s, uh, I think Buick. Buick, or maybe it was, yeah, Buick. Those are such fucking cool motors. They are so weird. They look cool. I don't know a whole lot about them. Um, they were called nailheads because they had fairly small valves that were pretty high lift for the time. Right. Um, and I think were, they had 45 degrees of valve angle, so the valves were straight up and down, basically. N- no, uh, the, or was that the valve else? covers are straight up and down. 
Oh, yeah, okay. The, the reason for that was um, the push rods weren't oriented in the same way that you're used to in a V8. And I can't explain it. You would just have to look up a diagram. But it's almost like cantilever. Um, huh. Okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's the right word. But they're super weird motors. I really want to put one in like an actual like hot rod one day. But like I think the 425 nailhead is known for like easily being able to produce 500 pound feet of torque, but struggling to produce like 300 horsepower. Yeah, like, you're all about those tractor builds, man. Dude, I love them. Like if I'm, <laughs> I just want something that sounds disgusting and idle and will like fucking rip a house off its foundation if I needed to. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, Torque is fun. Uh, all right. I don't remember where I left off exactly, but uh, head gasket issues, whatever. We found a replacement. Uh, got sent out, whatever. Um, and just to be safe, I pushed back my tuning appointment to uh, middle of September. Uh, but that's going to be the last pushback I can pretty much do. Because they're like, yep, this is the last day we've got until November. And I was like, okay, all right, no more setbacks. So if there's any more setbacks, I have to find another tuner, which will be super fun. So hopefully that doesn't happen. Hopefully everything's... Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, hope, I mean, there sh- in theory, shouldn't be any mm-hmm. other setbacks. And if that's the case, um, my shit will be working in a few weeks. And I, uh, it is much anticipated, and I'm going to go ape shit probably out on the street and just go fucking crazy. But, um, well, after a break, break that shit in first, break it in yep, first. Yep, I'm sorry. After a break in. So, <laughs> yep. That's going to be the boring part, but, uh, yeah. So that should be done soon, hopefully. And whatever we'll see, but that's, that's my main update is head gasket issues that were not my fault. <laughs> yeah. So, I guess if you're feeling real vindictive, you could uh, take that extra head gasket when you send it back and just like fold it up in an envelope. (laughs) (laughs) No, 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 no. I I hope someone gets to use it, especially if there's a fucking because there's a supply chain shortage on Cometic has head gaskets. So like, uh, you know, yeah. By the way, just want to throw it in there. Capitalism with that whole uh need to constantly grow and increase profits at all times uh which led to lean inventories how's how's it feeling now yeah how's that lean inventory doing right now fucked up yeah yeah so that's capital just in time shipping yep (laughs) yep i've experienced an abundance of that we will get to that when it's my turn yeah it's just yeah Supply, these supply chain issues could have been largely avoided if people actually still kept fucking inventories, but uh, they can't because you kind you always have to make that money, and inventory costs money. So capitalism fails again. Anyway, so I just wanted to take that little little, little pot shot there, but uh, that's all I got. So I think uh, Bryant, you're next. I think. Yeah. So I've been on a little bit of an adventure. Um, so. I, I think I mentioned this a couple episodes back, but um, I moved, so I'm done moving. Uh, I'm not done unpacking, but um, moved everything uh, mostly with the the Sabaru. Um, my my parents and my brother helped me a little bit, or brothers, I should say, both of them helped me 
uh, move a little bit. And then I did have a U-Haul truck for part of it. So um, that was a, a bit of an adventure. Um, I, I guess, I don't think we really have time, but I could give the review of the, uh, the Ford Transit van that I drove. Um, the short an- the short version is it's it's like a I don't know late nineties Buick but like seven feet tall and five thousand pounds or whatever. Um, but uh, I guess one good thing is um, the the fuel leak that was happening on my Sabaru uh, clears up when it's like eighty five ninety degrees outside, yeah, and everything expands a little bit. So I got like twenty five miles per gallon on the last tank, even you know hauling shit around in it. So that was nice. Uh, what was not so nice uh, was um, my MR2 broke down in a sort of spectacular way. Yeah. Um, I think it was on Tuesday. I was like, well, I don't have anything to move today, so I don't need to take the Sabru. I'll take the car that has air conditioning and gets good mileage because it was hot out. It was like 95 or something. And on my way back home, you know, on the highway, you know, I'm coming up to the off-ramp for my new place. I feel some vibration going on. And I'm like, oh, that's weird. It must be just this, uh, like, grooved uh, pavement is a little bit rough yep. right here. <laughs> or maybe I've got some, you know, worn-out bushings or something. And then I let off the throttle to slow down for the uh, the off-ramp. And it's like, oh, the, the vibration just went away. That's probably not good. <laughs> that means it's something <laughs> in the driveline. <laughs> um and then so I, okay, I'm like, all right, well, I should, you know, park this when I get home and figure it out. So I, I get, you know, to the off ramp, I've got, you know, a traffic light there and I go to turn onto my, onto the main street and uh, bang, this big bang comes from the car, but the engine is still running. I'm like, <laughs> what the fuck just happened? <laughs> so I, I put on the hazards, get outside, look. And I don't know, maybe we can put the uh, the picture in the show notes or something, but there's um, some kind of oil all over the, the pavement and a bunch of uh, bolts lying on the ground. I'm like, well, that's not good. Maybe I should shut off the engine. And then I, I take another closer look and the driver's side uh, half shaft axle is lying on the ground. Wow. And, <laughs> and it had... Um, the bolts that hold the half shaft onto the transmission had sheared off. So I think what happened was that vibration was one of them coming loose and it getting a little bit unbalanced. And then the bang was the last couple that were holding on shearing (laughs) off. So, uh, I honestly can't tell if you're talking about a car or my mental health. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's all holding on by a thread. Um, so I was like, well, shoot, I, now I got to call like a tow truck and shit. Um, and then like there's a homeless encampment like right off that off ramp. And some guys over there were like, hey, do you need help? And I'm like, actually, you know what? Yeah. Um, if you push me over this little hill over here, I can coast the rest of the way de- back home. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I did. So um I, I made it about a block away from my house, my new place, and was able to park it on the street. And then the other day, one of my coworkers uh, came over and helped me flat tow it the rest of the way into the garage. I so love flat towing shit. It's so sketchy and dull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We snapped two ropes. Uh, Gotta so, use chain, man. 
I should have. I, if I had a chain, I would have used it. But um, we got it in there eventually. Um, and that's where it's sitting. I haven't had time to look at it. But uh, at least I have uh, spare uh, transmission and uh, half shafts. So I think I just need the bolts and uh, I'll be good, hopefully. Yeah, that Fingers is crossed. very fortunate. I don't that, have to replace the transmission. Very fortunate that you're hoarding uh, hoarding parts. That's good call. <laughs> yeah. When it works, it works. Yeah. <laughs> and um, oh, and I also sold my uh, moped this week Woo. to uh, sucker. I mean, a nice uh, person. <laughs> um, so I got close to asking price for it, which was less than I had in it. So you know, it's not like I made any money on this thing, but. Uh, yeah, I still have some spare engine parts. If anyone has a Vespa moped, I w- uh, let me know. I'll. I was just gonna point out that this would finally be where Bryant stops hawking his fucking moped on our podcast. But no, <laughs> he's still got parts. <laughs> All right, listen, yeah. listeners, help us out. Someone please buy his parts. We we don't want to. We don't want to hear it anymore. I mean, I, at this point, some of it I'll give it away for free. I don't care anymore. <laughs> Like if you really want the um, the rear end gear reduction and hub for a kinetic uh, moped, you can have it. Like I don't think anyone wants those. Um, yeah, I've got a front variator for a GY6 Chinese moped. If anyone wants that, I've got a bunch of random shit. So I don't know what any of that means. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you pay shipping. It's yours. <laughs> Wait, that wasn't the deal. (laughs) (laughs) All right. uh, I think that's all I got for now. I'm sure I'll have other project car updates in the future and project house updates now. We're not that podcast. Yeah, yeah, you're going to have to start another (laughs) podcast now. Yeah. Ooh, maybe we can have beef with that one. Yeah, can I have beef with myself? Yeah, let's start a separate podcast and just beef with each other. That's not the worst. Actually, I think I'm pretty close to just being the guy who has beef with everyone on a single podcast. So, uh, yeah. So I guess it's my turn. Uh, this is, I think, our first episode since I started a new job where I'm working pretty crazy hours. Um, but I, I have had this long-standing habit where I'm like, why would I pay $6 for this part that I could just make myself if I buy $2,000 worth of tools? Um, <laughs> it, it slows me down sometimes. But because I'm making a, a more money at my new job and I have less free time, I've just decided, fuck it, I'm buying the parts that I need. So I have started putting my chopper together. Uh, which I don't really think I've talked about on here, but it's uh, an 84, 80, 82 shovel head motor in a 49 pan head frame, like raked out, super like easy rider style, classic uh, fucking chopper. Um, started putting that together. I've been making good progress on that. I tore the big block for my car down to like see how it looked on the inside. It's not the cleanest motor in the world, but it definitely is is not ready for a rebuild, so... I encountered a bunch of Connor problems with that one because I just tore that down and was like, it's fine. I'll order the rebuild kits and blah, blah, blah. And every fucking thing is back ordered. I, I had to like really shop around. I was, I was even considering buying new heads for it. And when I found the heads I wanted, they were like, will ready to ship in December. And I'm like, no, that's, 
that's not what we're doing. Um, <laughs> oh, man. I got a weird little tangent about that I forgot to mention. I, uh, I went to order that transmission for my truck, you know, and it's a four by four truck. So I, uh, I ordered the transmission and then I, I'm back on that website for some reason, just looking at it again in big red letters on top of the page. It says no Ford four by four transmissions available. <laughs> and I was like, Oh fuck. I just gave them a lot of money and then they're not going to send me my transmission. So I called them in a panic and talk to somebody and they're like, you got the literally the last one we had. <laughs> and we had to like Sick. track down a part for it that we didn't think we had. But the lady was super nice and she was like, I made our shop manager search everywhere for this tail shaft and we're going to get you your transmission. You got the last one. I was like, oh, thank fucking God. I was so scared for a minute. <laughs> Dude, yeah, I like... So I, I'm I'm not I'm like very uh, stingy with my money when I'm buying car parts. I tried to just buy everything at swap meets and shit, but I needed a bunch of stuff that you were never gonna like. I needed rebuild kits, intake bolts for an old Oldsmobile motor, like the kind of stuff that I'm not just really gonna stumble across unless I wait like ten years or something. Uh, so I, I ordered everything. Like I ordered a nice gasket kit. Uh, that one wasn't really a problem. I had a, a whole valve train kit, like timing chain, uh, lifters, springs, cam, everything, in my shopping cart for Summit, who, like, Summit loves my new job now, because <laughs> I'm just throwing money at them since I can't make any shit myself anymore. Uh, I had a, a kit in my cart, and I went to go check out and realized that the ship date for that one was mid-October. And I'm like, fuck no. Everything else was going to be here in the next week because I I can drive to a Summit Distribution Center in, in two hours from my house. Oh, that's very So most convenient. things get here really quick. And this was going to ship mid-October. I found another cam, exact same kit, but the cam has 25 or 30 thousandths less lift. That's unacceptable. And it would ship... Unacceptable. Yeah, so I'm I, instead of instead of it being like... A 520 lift cam, it's like, oh, and no, it's a little bit more than that. It, I, I went from a 520 lift cam to a 485 lift cam, and that was able to ship like next, like, uh, I ordered it yesterday, so it should ship on Monday. All right. Well, that's um, still a pretty high lift cam already. I, when in doubt, I go higher. So, like, why couldn't you find a fucking <laughs> 60 lift cam? <laughs> um, I'm worried about the clearance for my valve guides. Okay, that's fair. Like, I have new springs, but you do have to make sure that your, like, valve guides have enough clearance. And, like, these, the heads that are on this motor are dog shit. They are literally the worst heads that Oldsmobile ever put on this motor. Oh, okay. Fuck it then. Yeah, so, like, I don't know how much of a boost in performance I'm going to get. That being said, this was the highest lift cam that I was not going to have to wait at least eight weeks for. Good call, then. Um, the other cam that I had in my basket was, I think, the highest lift cam of that line, which is basically, like, it's not really a towing cam, but it's it's a cam with a lot of emphasis on low-end, like, low-RPM torque, uh, which, as we are slowly establishing, is my jam. Um <laughs> So I got all that, so I should start putting my motor together in the next, like, week. Still sorting out a few 
things. I might go with my turbo 400 or I might build a turbo uh, 250 or uh, I'm sorry, a 200 4R for, the, for that. I haven't really decided yet. I also bought a super sick low rider bicycle for like a hundred bucks, 125 bucks. And so I'm spending hundreds of dollars on painting equipment because I want to like metal flake this and just metal flake everything I own. Like I'm going to buy stuff and I'm going to be the most filthy, crusty human being riding around in like show quality paint. It'll be great. You should uh, metal flake your microphone. Dude, I know a guy who like metal just he will get bored and paint random things in his house. <laughs> his bathtub is metal flake and candy paint. <laughs> I can't tell if you're kidding or not. Awesome. Like he's got like an old school clawfoot tub that is is metal flake and candy paint. That is amazing. Oh my god, I love it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure like I cannot aspire to be him cuz I'm pretty sure that dude like doesn't sleep and he's just He's one of those people that doesn't have all of the mental health issues, so he's just got energy throughout the day. <laughs> me, I'm like, it takes me like three hours to just start a 45-minute task. So, yeah, uh, you know, I don't have any high expectations about when anything's going to be done, but, you know, whatever. Uh, no progress on my van. That uh, I, My shop is basically just four quadrants of, like, one section I'm working on a motor, one section I'm working on a van, one section I'm working on a chopper, and the other section I'm working on a bicycle. Uh, I'm slowly starting to worry I'm, I'm ADD, but I think I'm actually just having like a low-key manic episode, so uh, if anybody really wanted this podcast to turn into a therapy session, there it is for you. Uh, but yeah, that's me. Otherwise, I've just cleaned the ever-loving shit out of my shop and reorganized fucking everything, and also like working 12 to 14 hour days a lot, so that's pretty sick. Gotcha. Yeah. Yep, that's me. That, that, I'm done. Um, okay, I guess uh, probably time to get into our news stories, although might be time for a little short break. I don't know if anybody else is feeling a break. Breaking news. That's that's the part of the show we're at. We're at the breaking news part. This is Cars and Comrades with with your car news updates. Alright, enough of that. That was ridiculous, and I'll probably never do it again. Probably. We'll see. Yeah, maybe we'll get some like real sound effects in here, or like a soundboard or something. Well, if we get a soundboard, that sounds like work. I'm just gonna clip. I'm just gonna clip that and then put it on the soundboard. <laughs> so that's just gonna be that every time. <laughs> I like that. Let's yeah. So that's yeah. Maybe maybe you'll hear it again. Maybe you won't. But uh, anyway, uh, welcome back after the uh, after the break here. So our last recording kind of got really screwy. So. Uh, we're back another week recording, and uh, so the news is a little bit older, but whatever, you know, it is what it is. We, we had technical difficulties, so uh, we're back here with uh, Bryant, Zach, and uh, Connor, and uh, no Brandon, because uh, it's a different week, and he's got shit to do. 
Yeah, I think he's uh, on vacation doing something fun without us. So that bastard. Yeah, can't make can't How make time you. for us. <laughs> dare he enjoy himself? We've, we've got serious podcast business to do here. This is <laughs> this is real important stuff. <laughs> Uh, so yeah. So anyway, um, just to make things more clear, we're doing these stories, which about half of these stories we already sort of recorded, kind of a week ago. But we're gonna try and do it again. You know, we're we're a sloppy podcast. Sorry, whatever. We do this shit for free. You know, it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I have the memory of a goldfish, so it'll be fresh to me. <laughs> So you won't have to act surprised then. <laughs> no, it'll be legitimate. Like, oh shit! No way! I had no idea. <laughs> All right. Well, now, yeah. So now we know it's our surprise is genuine. Yeah. So starting us off, uh, Brian, uh, you you had a story. Um, you kind of ridiculous, goofy cop story, uh, which I think. Will yeah, be this is a sort of a local Colorado news story in the uh, "All Cops Are Bastards" uh, sort of genre. This is the from the Colorado Springs Gazette, which is uh, generally speaking a, a right wing rag uh, because you know Colorado Springs and all that. But um, you know, this is uh, some actual journalism that they did. Um, author is uh, Chris Osher. Uh, the headline is: Police leave disabled Colorado woman with nearly sixteen hundred dollar toll bill after using her stolen license plate. <clears throat> so, oh, tell me more. How did it, that happen? Yeah, so I know this is, you know, you've never heard this before, Connor. This is pretty uh, insane, but actually, cops are uh, assholes. Huh, who would have thought? Uh, Yeah, so a 52-year-old Westminster woman with back problems faces uh, $1,592.72 in E-470 toll charges because the president of the Colorado Fraternal Order of Police also headed the narcotics unit in the Longmont Police Department, used a stolen license plate that comes back as registered to her. Okay, so, so you know this is going to be good when it's uh, w- w- the president of the Fraternal Order of Police. Did I hear that right? Yeah, so the oh, fake uh, cop union that's not a union because cops aren't workers. Yeah. Basically stole this woman's license plate, put it on their like company car, and uh, drove on the toll road and racked up a bunch of charges in this woman's name. Which, by the way, how do you rack up $1,600 in tolls? Yeah. Like, or, well, it was probably from some late fees and whatnot, too. But, like, just insane. Yeah. And it's it stopped this woman from being able to register her car. Um, so, like, she's having trouble, like, driving to doctor's appointments, you know, Oh, yeah, God. it's 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 fucked up. Um, so, I mean, she's working with, uh, you know, local government and um, police to try to get this resolved, but they are not being too helpful. Uh, shocker. Wow. So, <laughs> so surprised. Yeah. Um, and, and basically, I, I think what happened was um, she had uh, like either left the... Um, you know, it was it was something to do with like selling a car and the license plate got ended up with, you know, someone else. And then it was at a police auction and, you know, 
and I don't know, it was in like uh, something got stolen and then it was seized by the Longmont uh, Police Department. And then they took her uh, her license plate out of the impound lot and put it on their um, their company car. Yeah, I think I I, I did read the article. It's about, like it was they made it sound like, oh, this is relatively like common that cops will have like license plates that are in like evidence or impound and they'll just like take that license plate and put it on their car and <laughs> whatever nobody cares yeah it's like what it's like this person got their car towed so fuck them i'm gonna <laughs> steal money from them <laughs> effectively and then and th- this is supposed to be law enforcement right <laughs> like <laughs> yeah exactly so I mean, there's more to it than that. I mean, you can read the article. We'll put it in the show notes. But like, yeah, fuck this cop especially and just, you know, cops in general. Yeah. yeah. I'm Definitely. pretty sure if that was a citizen, if that was a citizen who did that, they would be charged with a felony. Yes. Called defrauding 100%. the DMV. Yes. I think is what that falls yeah. under. Oh, they'd uh, find there would be eight charges. Happen. No. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, fun. And so, so there's. I'm. I'm assuming, Bryant, that there's no um, forthcoming charges for the officer. Uh, I didn't see any. Um, Hold on, let me open it up again. I just closed it. So, uh, when contacted by the Gazette, Longmont City Manager Harold Dominguez and Longmont Deputy Police Chief uh, Jeff Sater promised to fix the situation, which they said was an oversight by the city. Um, just an oversight. Oh, an oversight. An oversight. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking assholes. Oopsie. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> Sorry. Did a control F for charges, and the only thing that's coming up is like toll charges. So I don't see any. Uh, uh, let's see. No, nothing for criminal. I'm not finding anything that says uh, the cops are, uh, you know, going to be held responsible for this. Well. Another day in America. Yep. I mean, they get away with literal murder, so... Right. I don't know why anyone would expect them to have charges for, you know, the simple crime of stealing $1,600. You know, that's nothing. Right. (laughs) Yep, fun stuff. Well, um, on that note, uh, we'll switch it over to uh, some very rare good news. I think this might be the first time we're doing that. Um, and it's probably not good news necessarily for everybody, but it's good news for me because I'm I'm a, you know, I'm a Z fanboy. But uh, the new Nissan Z has been uh, finally released, sort of, or unveiled, I should say. Yeah, so, so this is the production version whereas there was a uh a sort of a concept that they were hinting at before yes which i mean basically the concept was the car yeah pretty much i mean it was they're almost identical mm-hmm. which is fucking awesome i mean you know so we did finally get some like um some details uh of course it is called the nissan z so it's just z um which is kind of weird and everybody's kind of like meh about that i think this was a good opportunity to call it the fair lady z uh as they have in japan for a long time but they they did not take that opportunity 
Um, and everyone was speculating it was going to be called the 400Z, which would kind of just make sense. Uh, but no, they rebranded it as just Z. That really confuses me as to why it would have been called the 400Z. Because next in line should have been the 390, right? Or since it's <laughs> so, since the 350, 370 was kind of a similar platform and this is more of a, a shift away so to here, a different design. Yeah, so let me, so let me explain... Let me explain kind of what the thinking was. So throughout the entire lifetime of the Z, right, from the 240Z back in the day to the 280, the 300ZX, you name it, the number has always been the engine displacement. So the yeah. 240Z had a 2.4 liter. The 280Z had a oh. 2.8 liter. The 300ZX, 3 liter. Uh, 350, 3.5, 370, 3.7. So those are on the VQ platform. The newest Z has a 3, uh, three liter engine again. So, based on the old naming convention, they would go back to, like, 300Z or something. Yeah. But the thinking was that they were going to come out right around 400 horsepower. And so then this would just be 400Z because it's 400 horsepower. That was the thinking. That makes that makes so much more sense now. Okay. Yeah. So... Yeah. Um, so that's why people were calling it the 400Z. It just kind of made sense. They knew, you know, well, that's about the power level they were going to be. Um, and uh, the new details are out, and that's precisely where it is, unless it's underrated, which I hope it is. <laughs> but <laughs> as of now, it's it's claiming 400 horsepower. Yeah. So. so this is sort of like an Xbox One scenario where they just wanted to start a start over rather than, you know, like... Uh, going back in the numbers to 300, I, I guess. Or, you know, making yeah. it divorced from yeah. the uh, displacement and going to 400. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot Pretty more much. sense than, like, how Mercedes has been doing their, like, model numbering scheme lately. Or was it Mercedes or BMW? One of them. Uh, where they used to, you know, do it based off of engine displacement. So, like, uh, you know, uh, 330 was a three series with a three liter engine. Yeah. But now the, the number is basically like, since they have everything like turbo or supercharged, it's like equivalent displacement, you know, like this, you know, this turbo Visa or turbo straight six is, you know, equivalent to like a four or five liter or something like that, which I think is fucking dumb, but, uh, yeah, whatever. That's dumb. Weird. I don't understand the naming conventions of those uh, Euro brands anyway, to be honest. Yeah, no, I mean, honestly, I've kind of just ignored Euro cars. Uh, I mean, I think any modern European car is kind of like just built to be leased. Like there's there's no yeah, <laughs> there's no uh, there's... provision for like long term ownership and maintenance. Uh, they're like disposable yeah. luxury cars, but I don't know. I could see myself getting like an older BMW if I really wanted like a sports sedan or something, but I don't yeah, know. I feel you there. The the old ones at least made good drift cars. I yeah, definitely. Um, but anyway, um, so <clears throat> reading from kind of an article um, from Car and Driver, um, which is entitled "The 400 Horsepower 2023 Nissan Z Puts the Toyota Supra on Notice." 
Um, so obviously its main competitor is going to be the Toyota Supra, which we knew from the start. Um, so uh, Nissan's new Z features an enticing combination of a twin turbo V6 engine, a six speed manual and a $40,000 base price, uh, which is pretty decent. Yeah. So uh, the new Z Music to my ears. Yeah, yeah, same here. That is a lot of car for not that much money. Yeah, yeah. Now, comparatively, of course, comparatively. Yeah, of course. That's the um, that is the base model, which we now know does not come with the limited slip differential. So, realistically, you want to get up there, but like, I don't believe the price goes up that much for the next um, trim level. Um, And there's really basically two trim levels. so um, anyway, the, the new Z, uh, it has no numbers in its name this time, um, will cost about the same as the 2003 350Z adjusted for inflation, of course. Uh, it rides on the same wheelbase as the 2020 370Z as well. So pretty much, you know, just like when the 350 came out initially, um, in terms of like price, performance, whatever, this is, or at least this is at that price level, which I think is pretty good. And, of course, so it's, like, you know, on the same wheelbase as the 370Z, uh, it has upped the horsepower to 400 hor- to four hundred horsepower uh, from a twin-turbo 3-liter uh, V6, which is now on the VR platform. So, yes. Um, which I think is the same platform as the GTR, but obviously this is not going to be hand-built, and it's not the same, but it's... You know, that's kind of where Nissan's trying to go. Um, it's the same engine that's in their Q50 and Q60, um, just with whatever more power, a little bit. So, yeah, it's kind of like, you know, Chevy has the Camaro and the Corvette. You know, Nissan has yeah. the, the Z and the GTR. Yeah, pretty much. So uh, this little bit I, I, I did leave in my notes because uh, it's it's talking nicely about the 350z and we all know that i like that so uh we're gonna go through it (laughs) (laughs) Uh, when we first tested the 2003 nissan 350z uh, we heralded its unrivaled combination of price and performance bringing 287 horsepower uh, for less than twenty-seven thousand dollars. the reborn z was an instant hit re-establishing nissan as a maker of serious sports cars so now 20 years later we're feeling the same excitement for the next z car 2023 Z factoring for inflation, its base price, uh, which is about 40,000 is, uh, at the same as that of the 2003 350 Z. So, so is, you know, the same basic layout, uh, with two seats, rear wheel drive and a six speed manual transmission. Uh, the difference being now you get 400 horsepower from a twin turbo three liter V six, uh, <laughs> which they make the note. That's the kind of inflation we can get behind, <laughs> which I'm with it. And I think you even but, get the uh, that same engine. It's on all the the trim levels, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's no four cylinder. There's no anything else. It is the three liter V6. So uh, that's actually pretty good. Notable difference from the Supra, actually. Right. Which has that four cylinder option, which I think is like a forty thousand dollar car. Which yeesh. Yeah, and honestly, <laughs> I don't know. I think the the new Supra is kind of ugly. I mean, whatever. I don't really care that it's a BMW, whatever. But like, it it's just not my kind of design. 
Oh, that's see, that's funny. I actually, I do think the super looks good. Okay, I think it looks great <laughs> personally. I mean, but when people say it's ugly, I'm like, yeah, I, I can understand that. You know, I, I can get it, but like, I think it looks good. Um, but I also think the Z looks better. Oh, definitely. Again, yeah, personally. No, I mean, it's definitely. I mean, they did a little retro styling on the new Z. Like, it's got a little bit of the 240 front end, maybe a little bit of 300 ZX in the in the rear. Um. Yep. But yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's what uh, that's what I thought. Um, anyway, continuing, it um, it is built on a much modified version of the current FM platform and riding on the same 100.4 inch wheelbase as the outgoing 370. Uh, the new Z um, uses the VR30 DDTT V6, which I don't know exactly what all those um, letters mean, but just for listeners who aren't familiar with Nissan. What they the way they number their engines is always the series are the first two letters, the displacement are the next two, uh, then is something about do like dual overhead cams would be D, the second D is some kind of reference to the variable valve timing, uh, and then the TT would be twin turbo. Gotcha. So just for it, for any listeners that don't know that you know VR is the series, thirty is the displacement. D is the dual overhead cams. The other D is timing of some sort. And then TT is twin turbo. Um, I didn't see. Is it direct injection also? I wonder if that's what the D, one of the Ds is. Uh, You know what? I think it, I think it probably is. I I can't remember the, I can't remember right now, but I think, I think it was. Um, And we do know it has some kind of variable valve timing because everything does now as well. (laughs) So... Um, now it's the same V6 from the Infinity Red Sport 400 models, so it's making 400 horsepower at 6,400 RPM and 350 pound-feet of torque uh, from 1,600 to 5,200 RPM. The Sweet 3 liter features direct injection and variable valve timing, running up to 14.7 psi of boost, which is you know a pretty which is actually more than I would have expected from like the stock um, form. Manual models get a carbon fiber drive shaft, which sounds really cool, but they have used a carbon fiber drive shaft on the 350 and the 370 already. So, oh, okay. Um, which is fucking cool as hell because yeah. like I have had mine out and like you can hold it in your hand and like twirl it. It's <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not kidding. A drive shaft and you can just twirl it like it's nothing. It weighed. It weighed like, I don't know, eight to ten pounds wow. for a fucking drive shaft. <laughs> it's 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 wacky, man. Um. Anyway, so it's gonna still have a carbon fiber drive shaft. Um. It's also gonna have an XCD performance clutch and automated rev matching on downshifts, which meh. Um. While Z's with the nine-speed automatic have aluminum paddle shifters and available launch control. So you only get the launch control in the um, automatics, although I'm sure, you know, the first ones that get tunes will almost certainly have some kind of launch control on the manuals as well. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to see what these things look like when they're tuned. But uh, it's I mean, it sounds pretty decent, like they've got a good, you know, flat torque curve, um, good power and, you know. Uh, with those t- two turbos, it seems like there's room for plenty of uh, p- 
plenty of upgrades. I mean, realistically, you take a turbo motor like this, and this is speculation, so not news. This is speculation from an idiot, but um, to think that you could take a turbo car in with making no changes and have it tuned, all it would take to get to 500 would be a 20% increase in power. That seems pretty doable with with just basic tuning. Yeah. And um and yeah, if you if you move up to like ethanol right. or something like that, you could easily Yeah, ethanol would get you to get closer to mid 500s, maybe even 600 on yeah, stock turbos. I think even you know, ethanol is incredible at just dumping a yeah, bunch of power. I think even on pump gas, um to to think you could unlock 20% from just like I'm sure that the existing turbos could probably handle what 18, 20 pounds if the stock form is already almost 15. I think that's conceivable, um, and you could hit 500 in pretty much no time. So that's exciting. <laughs> Very exciting. Usually, um, you know, the American cars are are tough to beat in terms of straight line performance. I mean, there's just no no way around that. But uh, in theory. A little tuning and these things should be um, doing pretty well against the, your average, you know, Camaros and Mustangs and even some of the ones that have had some work done, which is, you know, really amazing for a car that's really built for handling and stuff. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's so, it, I mean, I was looking a little bit like at, at some of the shots of the chassis, like it's got, I think, double wishbones up front and some kind of multi-link in, a, in the rear, which I think is a continuation off of the previous 370z yeah it is um, it is they've always had a very good suspension yeah um and then also i mean just looking at the numbers for the torque curve and everything it makes me think that they probably put relatively small turbos on there to make it spool up quicker kind of kind of like um you know a, a fiesta st that kind of yeah. philosophy um so you could probably like i'm sure someone will come out with a turbo kit to put bigger turbos on these and you know, get big 100%. numbers. You know? Yeah. Yeah. With, with bigger turbos, you will, you will make big power yeah. very quickly. Um, which, I mean, that's one of the things like, it's one thing to put a twin turbo on a non-turbo car, very expensive to get new, two new turbos for a car that already has turbos costs marginal. I mean, you're looking at max two to $3,000. Yeah. Like, to make enormous power that's fucking awesome now i wonder if they've if they're doing the thing like a lot of manufacturers are now where they incorporate the manifold into the head or the the turbo and the manifold all is one deal i mean that might make it a little harder on the aftermarket if you have to like replace the entire manifold with the turbo exhaust housing i i think so again speculation but they did they they actually do have some um there's people who know more about this who have kind of looked into it a little bit but it looks like it's going to be pretty moddable okay and i'm pretty sure nissan understands that they're making a car to be moddable um and that that's what people wanted which is of course why they offered it with a manual unlike the supra yeah (laughs) um so it does seem that they they were aware of what they were doing. So um, it should be, it, it should be as simple as, you know, a new exhaust manifold and whatnot. Right. If, if that's even needed, I mean, well, and essentially also um, 
this, you know, when people start modding these in, in a year or two, uh, that will have a, a good secondhand uh, market for uh, used turbos for other people to put on their cars and, you know, do do weird shit with. So, yeah, probably true. So maybe, Connor, you can do a twin turbo kit on your uh, engine in the, in the near future. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's going to be a bit, but uh, I, w- I would like to at some point. Yeah. Or something like it. Any, anyway, so, uh, yeah. Anyway, getting back to the uh, actual article here. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, when we when we tested the Z's four-seat Infinity Cousin, uh, the Q60 Red Sport 400, uh, it ran from 0 to 60 in 4.4 seconds, uh, and that car had a seven-speed automatic and all-wheel drive. Uh, the Z, a full foot shorter than the Q60 and presumably hundreds of pounds lighter, uh, should hound the Toyota Supra uh, 3 liter, which does 0 to 60 in 3.7 seconds, even in, in its base sport trim. So they're speculating that the Z should be pretty close to that. This, I, I speculate that it's probably not going to be quite as fast, uh, 0 to 60, but it should be faster in the quarter mile, would be, uh, would be my guess. So keeping the decision simple... Uh, there's really no standalone options uh, among the three trims. Again, three, quote-unquote, three trims. The Z Sport is your entry-level model, uh, but it's not a stripped-out husk built strictly to tout the low price point. The Z Sport gets the pow- the same powertrain as the other Zs, along with a customizable 12.3-inch, whatever, TFT instrument display, so the screen instrument display. And it's get- it gets cloth seats with synthetic suede inserts and a full cadre of safety nannies and driver assistance gear uh, that any self-respecting Z driver won't actually need, which I agree with. The Z performance, which is the essentially the trim level that people are going to actually care about, uh, the Z performance models add some interior upgrades like heated leather seats um, and an eight-speaker spe- eight Bose stereo system, uh, two more than the sports audio setup, um, but most of the package contains actual performance gear, stiffer suspension, a limited slip differential, which is obviously the big thing, and beefier brakes. So up front, four piston calipers grip 14-inch rotors, while the 13.8-inch ro- rear rotors are squeezed by two piston calipers. So this thing's got decent brakes, yeah. for sure. Which, I mean, yeah. is a, an upgrade over, like, I don't know what the 370s had, but the 350s, could have some better braking. Um, you know, they were a little lacking in that. But um, again, the big thing is going to be the limited slip differential. You kind of need that to have any real fun, I think, personally. But I do find it funny that, like, the the interior upgrades are, like, heated leather seats. And it's like, yeah, they had that in 2003, too. <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty basic. So, you know, heated leather seats and then the eight speaker Bose system, which I can't remember how many are in the 350Z, but like it seems pretty similar, I would think. It's probably like the same exact sound system (laughs) from way back, hopefully with some slightly better components. But um, I do like their speaker setup like they've the 350s and the 370s. They have like a sub if you get the Bose, like it'll have like a 10 inch sub behind the driver's seat, which is pretty cool. I think. So, yeah, that's not something you see a whole lot on uh, factory cars, especially not until you get into like the luxury yeah. level. Yeah, stuff. and be, so, I, I always sweet. found it sweet. So, um, 
yeah, that's that's something that's pretty cool. I think. I I want to say on the uh, Toyota MR2, there was an option for a um, subwoofer that was attached to the driver's seat, so it you know vibrates your butt with the music. I mean, yeah, that's that's the cool shit. That's like what matters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mine did not come with that because it's ba- it's you know a pretty much a stripper model. But uh, um, yeah, the 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 article that I'm reading on the um, the newsy it doesn't say anything about the curb weight. Do, do you have that number on yours? Um, I don't think I've seen it yet. Okay, but I mean, it'll probably yeah, be I don't similar know to the the outgoing model. Yeah, um, actually, it might. So with any luck, it'll be actually a little bit lighter. Um, we at least know that they took weight into consideration because a lot of the suspension components are aluminum. Yeah. Um, which is, I mean, to me, I was like, oh, that's good to know. I was real excited about that. I was like, yes, paying attention to the weight of, you know, all that unsprung weight and stuff. So um, in theory, could be lighter or it could be about the same. I mean... There's certainly some aluminum suspension components in the 370s and 350s, I think, too. So it'll be close. It shouldn't be much heavier, I wouldn't think, at the very least. I mean, two turbos and all of the accessory bits can add quite a lot of weight. But hopefully that's being yeah, offset. I would hope. Somewhere, whether suspension components or other, it's, uh, yeah. other areas. It's saying around... A little bit more. So the 370Z was like around 3,400. Yeah, 3,400 so, ish. Uh, but yeah, I don't. I don't think anyone has real numbers for it yet. Yeah, which I mean, those are still pretty. They're they're both like heavy and light. Like they're light compared to like the American cars, all of them pretty much. They're pretty light compared to a lot of cars that they like would compete with. Um, they can be like heavy compared to a Miata. Yeah. Though, which, but that's to be expected. I mean, and honestly, I think my, my Sabru weighs around 3,400 pounds. So that's not too bad. Yeah. That's really funny. I was just looking up what my WRX hatchback weighs. Oh, and, okay. Uh, Google is telling me it's 3,208 yeah. pounds, which is shocking yeah. to me <laughs> because it has, yeah, those are doors. tiny little hatchbacks. It feels sometimes it feels really small, and then I was driving <laughs> behind a Miata the other yeah. day, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I feel like it could run you over. So <laughs> it's yeah, it's all about perspective. I think like thirty four hundred yeah. pounds is like you said, both heavy and light. It's light compared to a Charger, but. I mean, most trucks yeah. are compared to those things. So. Um, I think those are like, those are over 5,000 pounds, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> That's fucking absurd. <laughs> That's why they need 800 horsepower. <laughs> yeah, and then there's the, uh, what's the so Durango version with the Hellcat motor? I'm sure that weighs like 8,000 pounds or something. Oh my God. Yeah, I can't, I don't even want to think about it. Oh God. They have the Jeep one, the Trackhawk. Yeah. Yep. That one's got just putting that motor in everything. Got to put it in a dart next. And so yeah. Yeah. You know. They have it in a minivan. So whatever. Keep it front wheel drive though. I hope they do put it in a dart. That would actually be sick. 
<laughs> yes, transverse mounted Hellcat murder. Uh, you know, I've heard that the I, I've heard people say that those um, transmissions they're using in those cars are pretty that that automatic is actually pretty good. Um, but I'm just I, I'm sitting here thinking I'm like, you wait five six years of abuse in a fucking 700 horsepower ass minivan or SUV. Come on, what transmission is going to hold up to that? Right. Those things, and it's Dodge. It's that those things are going to be fucking blowing up in the next couple years. You're going to hear about them. Oh man! Oh, it exploded when I tried to <laughs> launch. It's like, yeah, that's eight thousand pounds trying to go <laughs> with eight hundred <laughs> horsepower. Yeah, that's what happens. Yeah, and in a minivan, no less. You know, they're gonna have all their little hellions in there <laughs> with all their soccer <laughs> shit. Things gonna weigh twelve thousand pounds most of the yeah. time. Yeah, I mean, uh, my mom had a, a '94 Dodge Caravan that the transmission blew up. Which, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's why you never see those things anymore, is just all the transmissions exploded, you know, at 150,000 miles or whatever. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe Chrysler has uh, done some work in their transmission uh, department in the last, you know, decades, but who knows. Here at Chrysler Motors Automotive Operations, research has been proceeding to develop a line of heavy-duty transmissions that establishes new standards for reliability, durability, and quality. With customer needs as our primary focus, work is proceeding on the crudely conceived idea of an instrument that would not only supply inverse reactive current for use in unilateral phase detractors, but would also be capable of automatically synchronizing cardinal grammeters. Such an instrument is the turbo encabulator. Yeah, I'm not, uh, I don't trust many Chrysler products myself. (laughs) Um, Anyway, um, so kind of getting back to the Z, um, the performance trim level uh, replaces the sports 18 inch wheels uh, with some lightweight 19 inch forged raise wheels uh, with a staggered setup. So they've got you know, whatever tires, I, I'm not even going to mention it because they're just tires. They're going to be replaced. I don't care. Um, but they've got two fifty fives up front and two seventy fives in the rear. Um, which on nineteens like that thing should grip right up. Um, you know, it shouldn't have too much trouble spinning the tires, but like a 19 inch wheel, two seventy five millimeter width is that's a beefy fucking wheel. Yeah. Besides the unique wheels and red painted brake calipers, the performance trim is visually distinguished by front and rear spoilers and dual exhaust. Um, and, a, you know, perhaps distinguished by its more boisterous muffler, although we haven't heard it yet, so we don't know. Um, the automatic's launch control function is also restricted to performance models. So, whatever. I don't know why they would... Why even fuck with it? But whatever. That's it is what it is. Um, the performance mod- trim is going to be the one that anyone cares about, really. Now, above performance um, and essentially serving as a launch edition, the proto spec is uh, the Z performance wearing the color scheme of the Z proto car, um, which was the yellow concept. And I mean, it's basically it's just it's yellow paint, black roof, bronze colored wheels, and yellow brake calipers. So, it's going to be a so no performance difference, no none, just higher price and different paint. Higher price. Well, so here's the other thing. Um, it's they're only going to build two hundred and four, or excuse me, two hundred and forty proto specs. 
Okay. So they're going to be limited collector cars, essentially. Um, which, whatever. I, I, it's like yeah, a, so not a trim level, really. Exactly. The the everyone's calling it a trim level, and you're like, no, it's, it, there's 240 of them. That's not a trim level, okay? That's, <laughs> that's yeah. a special edition for collectors. Rich collectors, I assume. So, you know, uh, and another reference to the 240Z, the interior center snack features three analog gauges set in a pod angled towards the driver. Um, now, this gets a little bit wonky. Uh, one is for boost, which makes sense. One is a voltmeter. And the third is a sort of tachometer for the turbochargers. Huh. Which is, yep, that's very weird. So it's got a speed sensor heard... in the turbos. Yeah. Interesting. I, I haven't Don't... seen that before. I wonder if they're just... Me neither. If they're like it's inferring the... that from other data or if they actually have a sensor in the turbo. Yeah, I don't know, but I can't imagine why the fuck you would ever need that. Yeah. That it's not common because it seems like a useless thing to have. I don't know. I, Which yeah. did they just run out of things that they wanted to tell you about? Definitely like, not. Let's put a sensor on something. <laughs> well, so here's here's what I can tell you. The both the three fifty and the three seventy have they have the same setup of three gauges angled towards the driver. So again, they're like, oh, it's a reference to the 240Z. And it's like, well, it's a reference to the 350 and the 370 as well. But <laughs> more recently, both the 350 and the 370 have a one of those gauges is switchable between like, you know, six to ten different readouts. So like mine will show my fuel mileage, uh, time speed distance uh, clock, um, a rev limit, uh, my speed. I can have it show like in a digital format. So like you can switch between all these different things, tire pressure, whatever. And this is just, nope, tachometer for the turbos. Cause everybody needs that. <laughs> so I've never even heard of that being a gauge on anything else ever in my entire life. Yeah. yeah. I, I've never, I, I honestly don't think you could find an aftermarket gauge for I, that. That's and just no. to, you know, like, you know, rev it up and impress your friends. Oh, look, it's going 10,000 RPM right now. Look at that. Yeah. Well, that's pretty solid. Oh, yeah, yeah. oh, 100,000 RPM. <laughs> I was off by a factor. <laughs> <there. laughs> well, and so, you know, I've never heard of anything like it. Who knows? Maybe as people learn to read these things, maybe it does become useful. I don't know. I've I mean, never seen it before. I would have thought they would have gone with like air fuel ratio or mileage or anything, yeah. anything else. Useful stuff. You know, water yeah, temp. Useful stuff. Well, they said that the main display is programmable, right? Um, Isn't that what the article said previously? No. Well, so that's just whatever their display is for the instrument display on it's electronic, so I don't know if you could, you could probably make some changes there. But this is for the three gauges that sit on the top of the dash in the center. Right. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, assuming assuming that you could put whatever you want in the center display, I, I don't know. You could put any of those other, you know, AFR or mileage or anything like that in the center display. I don't know. So I, I guess don't you're think not you really losing out on anything? No, I don't think no? you can. I don't think you can. I mean, look, well, maybe. What the fuck is the point? I just, I don't understand. I yeah, don't no, me neither. I mean, this, there will probably be some aftermarket weird. thing that puts some, like, you know, relevant information in there, possibly. But yeah, I don't know. It it I does. So. It kind of tries to explain it a little bit. So it says, displaying measured turbine speed, the turbo tack will let the driver know whether the turbos are just loafing at a steady 
220,000 RPM or approaching their 240,000 RPM maximum. Again, don't know why you would need to know that. And then it says, you know, other callouts to pass Zs include the taillights, which look just like the uh, Z32 300ZX. Um, and basic long hood short deck proportions. Um, just as in the 1990s, the Supra will be the primary target when the Z goes on sale next spring. Um, but this Z isn't a shameless retro rehash or a refresh disguised as a new model. Uh, what it looks what what it looks like is a deft melding of the contemporary 370Z's affordability with the GTR's ferocious turbocharged performance. At this point, the only thing we're not crazy about is the overly minimalist name. Um, we know that Nissan is trying to look forward, not back, but 300ZX Turbo has an awfully nice ring to it, which I agree. That probably would have been, I have no problem with the numbers going backwards. They didn't have to change it, in my opinion, but whatever. Um, but yeah, so weird turbo tack is kind of the weirdest thing about it, but should be good power, decent performance, relatively okay weight, which kind of dovetailing from that. Um, I did find another article, which I thought was kind of interesting, um, from Road and Track. The Nissan Z proves you should just build the concept, which, yeah, I was like, okay, I really haven't, like, heard this before, but yeah, I kind of am one to agree. Um, so it says, you know, the Proto Z was a hit, Nissan built it, simple as that. So the writer kind of starts off. Um, I've never cared for concept cars. Uh, the automaker calls up its best designers and gives them freedom to dream. Then it shows off a car it can only build in a different world. Um, but our world is gated by regulations, manufacturing concerns, and cost cutting. A.K.A. capitalism. <laughs> um, so by the time the concept car leaves the factory, the production version is closer to a turd with mirrors than it is to a concept. And I mean, we've all seen that, like pretty much every cool concept. You're just like, it comes out and you're like, wow, it's why did you spend all that time on a concept if you were going to like not do that? <laughs> Seems like a waste. Yeah. I mean, yeah. honestly, I've seen some really dumb uh, concept cars where they're yeah. like, you know, had no, no real plans on actually manufacturing this. It was just a, an exercise or whatever. And, you know, like. If you go back to our nuclear powered vehicles uh, episode, there's there's a shit ton of those concept cars that they were like, we're going to make a nuclear powered flying car and it's going to, you know, uh, do your laundry for you while you uh, drive or whatever. I don't know. I mean, that wasn't one of them, but there's, there's just all kinds of dumb shit like that. Well, there's uh, dumb shit. But yeah, like, like generally speaking, we, why waste the time? Like we, we, we they're constantly yeah. cutting costs and like, oh, we got to reduce and got to lay people off. And you're like, maybe just don't make stupid shit that you're not you have no plans <laughs> of building. Like, what are you doing? Right. But they never think of that. Yeah. Oh, we got to make a convertible that seats seven, <laughs> you know, <laughs> even though there's no market for it. Like, right. Oh, but we got to lay off these people or, we, oh, we can't pay a living wage to these folks. And it's like, what the fuck? better bust that union so we can keep making stupid concept cars. <laughs> um, so uh, when the Nissan Z Proto uh, debuted last year, it looked sensational. Um, a thoughtful piece of design that nodded to a glorious past. Equipped with a six-speed manual and a twin-turbo V6, the Z Proto was everything we wanted from a new Z. So Nissan gave it to us. Uh, the result is stunning. It looks incredible. It's built on an engaging uh, chassis and should start around $40,000. 
that's less expensive than the four-cylinder Supra uh, with more power than the six-cylinder Supra. It's hard to remember the last time a product... Oh, excuse me. It's hard to remember the last product to stick the landing like this. Which, I mean, it's true. I remember when the Supra first came out. I mean, it was cool, right? It was, like, vaguely cool at least. Um, But there was a lot of shit talking online. People were like, this kind of blows. There's no manual. The power's lacking. Which, of course, they upped after the first year. So, first year came out at 335 horsepower. And then they, the very next year, they started out with 382 in the V6. So, so like, if you bought the first year, you got fucked. Um, I think they offered, I mean, I think they offered, generally speaking, it's not that great to buy the first model year of any car because they're usually working out all the kinks. Yeah. Like, I think the first, first year of the new Miata, like, they had transmission problems or whatever. So, like, Maybe wait a year or two if you're going to buy a brand new. Yeah, one. that's but actually that is good advice, which we should bring up on <clears throat> future episodes. Never buy the first model year, even used. Like, don't generally right. don't buy that first model year. Um, which I have the first model year of the 350Z, and let me tell you, they used the stamp steel fucking clutch fork, and it bends. Oh yeah, yes yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so for the last like three or four years, I've been like. I've been sloppy with my shifting because it's just like, well, I don't know. I never know where the clutch is going to actually engage. It's more of a suggestion. Yeah. It's like you can't be spot on because it literally flexes and like, <laughs> Oh, that's terrifying. <laughs> you get sort of used to it, but like <laughs> that on top of, so the, um, the first two years of the three fifty Z, like the synchros fucking ground out in third gear and whatnot. So like shifting takes forever so, like, I've been driving around for, like, a few years now where it's, like, it takes a solid two seconds to do a gear shift. And then I have to calculate, like, I have to rev up the flywheel and then try and grab with a clutch fork that bends. Pretty rough. Wow. The ver- is, there, is there a way to retrofit the, the newer there ones? There is. And I tried to do something for whatever reason. Like, it couldn't fit because they also changed the... um the pivot ball or something like so like i got Uh, like some weird conversion kit which we were up against the time clock whatever and like for whatever reason there was one piece that we couldn't fuck with and we're just like all right well fuck it i just have to put it back in the way it was the 2004 so the next model year they did put in a a real castile um clutch fork after that but yeah so that's kind of the the evidence there don't buy that first model year if you can avoid it they are working out case and and i've (laughs) <laughs> and I've got the second year. Well, I guess I've got the the first year of the Sabaru. I mean, they've been they've been making the WRX for you know a couple years after that. Before that, I mean, and then I've got the the second year of the MR2 uh, in the US. And I I kind of wish I had an eighty seven, eighty eight, eighty nine because I did make changes in eighty seven, like a little bit bigger brakes, um, a couple different things with the suspension. Yeah. Um, you know, they changed the interior around a little bit. They, you know, changed the, the, you know, like on the Japanese model, the, the parking brake is, is, you know, away from you in the U S model. It's right next to you. So like they changed that over. So it's more suited for the U S market in the later model years. Hmm. Yeah. But 
I don't well, know. Well, so, you know, a- anyone listening to this, you know, who's in the market for a Z, um, the last year of the 370Z should have all them kinks work the fuck out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, Nissan Senior Vice President for Global Design, uh, Alfonso Albesa, I don't know if I probably butchered that, but whatever. Uh, yeah. No, that was perfect. <laughs> Thanks for confirming. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, said that the uh, production design was finalized before the Proto. Okay, so they had the production car was already designed and ready before the Proto even came out. So, very interesting way to do it. (laughs) Um, Tiny details such as the side markers and materials choices changed, but the differences are nearly imperceptible. Um, In fact, um, they said uh, a, a gray production Z was visible in the background of a video um, they did on the Z Proto. So you could have actually seen the streetcar long before it debuted. Again, you wouldn't know the fucking difference because it's the same car. Um, so while there is a launch edition Proto Z in the yellow color with bronze wheels um, and is limited to 240 cars, the yellow paint is also still available as a normal color. So thankfully you can still get it in that cool ass you know, yellow color with the black top, um, which I think most of the colors actually come with the black top. There's a few that don't. Um, they have like a maroon color that I don't think does. So that's like all maroon, um, which I'm glad they have a maroon because maroon Z's are something special. <laughs> I remember when the burnt orange was like the big deal for the 350z right after it came oh, out. i actually yeah. have a model yeah there's not too They're many kind of, of those. like pearlescent the, those are pretty cool yeah i i always love that color and i don't think i've ever seen one on the road maybe once yeah but it's so rare, rare. <clears throat> though that burnt bronze or the burnt orange whatever you want to call that color is just oh it's yeah. it looks so cool no i agree i love that color um, anyway, so the, um, the last time an automaker pulled off such a seamless transition from concept to production, uh, the Lexus LC 500 was born. Um, thank God Brandon's not on this uh, part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's a car that years later still carries more presence than anything else you can buy for five figures. So that is quite expensive. Um, sales have not been phenomenal, but among enthusiasts, the car is already a legend, I guess. I don't know. Rich enthusiasts, I suppose. Um, yeah, I think those only come with an automatic, though, if I remember. Yeah, correctly. I don't think that's like that's not like a much of a performance car per se. Sort of a. I'm sure it's fast, but I mean, it's for what you're paying for. It's it. fast for like the same way a Mercedes is fast. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, I mean, they do look interesting. I'll say. Yeah, that. they were a wonky looking car. Pretty cool. And Connor, you kind but, of cut yeah. out for me for a second. Are you guys talking about the LFA? No, no. The, so the oh. LC five hundred is like LC five hundred. Okay. Yeah, it's like a it's a really long, like, kind of executive VIP type car. Um, Pers- personal luxury coupe the, sort of deal. Yeah. Um, they're oh oh uh, they they look so they look cooler <laughs> than it sounds. 
Trust me, they do look cooler than it sounds. I would never own one. I'm looking at them. Oh, okay, and you're making that. <laughs> <fit>. <laughs> my style. Yeah, not my style, but yeah, it's interesting. For the listeners who can't see my face, imagine smelling a fart and then making that face. <laughs> That's the face I'm making. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, it's definitely unique. Yeah, I fucking hate it, but it is unique. Okay, well, there you go. Um, so other companies uh, aren't so direct the Chevy Volt concept was sleek aggressive and interesting Uh, it promised a desirable future with its next gen plug-in hybrid power plant by the time it arrived though it was an egg-shaped hatch that inspired little desire still a solid car Um, the Volt never became a true hit which I mean honestly I kind of like the Volt I've been thinking of buying one if I wanted a plug-in hybrid commuter car sure, but, but not like, for its looks i mean they're not they're not too ugly for what it is like i they're they're better looking than a prius i would say um but i don't know if i agree to that i think i would i would give the prius the uh the 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 slight win on that i think i'd go with i think i'd say the prius looks a little bit more interesting ugly for sure but the volt is pretty damn ugly i think yeah i mean I don't know. To each his own, I yeah, guess. It's a useless personal preference that really doesn't matter here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so Mercedes kind of did the same thing. Um, clearly didn't learn from GM. The original Vision EQS had uh, aero-friendly bodies stretched into dramatic futuristic design, uh, but that was lost in translation. The production EQS, which I guess is a real car, uh, eschews the athletic lines uh, of the concept for a stubby, rounded profile. Perhaps the tech and quality will sell it, but the uh, instant appeal of the concept's design is long gone. Um, so kind of just in closing here, uh, the automo- automotive history is filled with examples of automakers flubbing the jump from poster to production. The new Z stands among a crowd of legends for bucking that trend, all because Nissan never overpromised, only overdelivered. Uh, and after a decade of bland CVTs and a lineup aimed at fleet sales, it's good to see Nissan coming back around. Uh, after all, there's more to life than palatable lease deals. So um, I kind of just included this article just because I think it's it's worth you know discussing like all this wasted time on the stupid concepts that never come to production and like they like even with the Supra they had that FT1 concept which was fucking wild looking. It was crazy. I didn't exactly like it, but it was certainly very different than the Toyota Supra we got. You know what I mean? And so it's like, why did you spend all this time, you know, designing and building this FT1 concept, promoting the hell out of it, bringing it to auto shows, um, and then releasing a Supra that looks nothing like it? Like, what was the point? Yeah, I mean... I'm looking at pictures of it. It's not really my kind of styling on the concept, but it, I don't know. It looks kind of like a Le Mans car or something. Yeah. It's kind of cool in that regard. Well, yeah. And so it, it's like these car companies consistently, I don't know. They have marketing departments that apparently haven't figured this out yet somehow, but you know, an idiot like me can figure it out. They make these concepts that like, and they'll get people sort of excited, but then they make a production car. That's nothing like it in any respect. And then, you know, people shit on it. It's like, well, okay, kind of could have avoided that, don't you think? Like, if 
if they had put out a, um, a concept that was very close to what this Toyota Supra ended up being, I think it would have gone over probably a lot better. You know, and Nissan kind yeah. of proves. I mean, that. I wonder how much of it. I wonder how much of it is like, well, here's kind of what we were thinking, but we got to make it fit onto this BMW chassis that we're using. I mean, kind of like I, I've been to the Henry Ford Museum in Dearborn, Michigan, a couple times, and they have the, um, uh, what's it called, the Mustang concept that they first came out with. Um, I guess it would have been early '60s. And that thing is fucking cool looking. It's like, I don't know, somewhere, it's like a, if a Fiat X19 was made, you know, 10, 20 years before it was uh, in real life. Um, and it had like a like a, a V4 engine or something. Um, but anyways, they, they basically just like took some t- styling cues from that and like, okay, how can we put this on a, on a, a Falcon chassis, which was you know, the, the first, you know, uh, generation of the Mustang was just, a, a cool looking Falcon basically with a V8 yeah, and a few other things. Um, so like, I wonder, like, I'm sure that is a lot of what these concept cars are normal, well, yeah, sure. but like, it is kind of cool that, you know, Nissan's doing something a little bit different with this one. Well, yeah. And, and it just kind of goes to show that like, maybe that's what they should do is put out a concept that's already practical enough that like they've already worked through like oh it's going to ride on this chassis so like let's build something that we could conceivably put on that chassis you know what i mean right something that looks like a production car because they spent all the money promote promoting the concept and everything and then nissan just unveiled and it's like hey guess what the concept that we spent all this time promoting is the car come buy it and now people are like yeah i want to buy that like, it's not like, I feel like with a lot of concept cars, it's like they're marketing for one car that doesn't and will never exist. And then then they have to start marketing all over again for the production vehicle. And it's like, seems like a lot of wasted effort. Yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, that's uh, that kind of does it for me on the Z. So let's move on to our next favorite topic, uh, Tesla and Elon Musk, of course. (laughs) (laughs) We should really, if we're going to do like uh, musical drops or or whatever sound clips in the future, we should have one for the the Tesla hate uh, sector or whatever we're calling this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, we probably should have, uh, I could probably add that in post, maybe I will. I don't know what it'll sound like. I don't know like. what that would sound like. Yeah, me neither. We'll have to think about it. Hmm. Well, yeah. But yeah. Sorry, go anyway, ahead. Anyway, um, sorry. <clears throat> so um, Tesla has applied to sell electricity in Texas, according to Business Insider, which <laughs> naturally they sell cars and flamethrowers and tequila and spaceships, I guess. And and robots oh. apparently oh, and robots. that are actually just a, a dude in a costume. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was something. Just you're like, oh, I'm gonna have this in a year, and it's like, dude, come out in a year or whatever when you have it built. Don't just bring out a person in a costume, dude. Like that was weird. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, that Cybertruck uh, that's delayed again. Yeah, yeah. shocker. <laughs> big, yeah, big surprise. A whole robot. A whole robot's going to be here in a year, but I can't get you guys a truck. Yeah. 
maybe maybe how many years ago now two three something i don't know maybe the cyber trucks being delayed because of elon musk had this new idea for the robot and so he's diverted resources to that (laughs) i feel like you know so like elon musk does seem kind of like if you give a fucking rich guy who thinks he's a super genius but he's really just like a rich guy with adhd and you just like give him a company which he gets to have dictatorial control over it's kind of what looks like what tesla is doesn't it (laughs) or his various companies i mean oh i'm working on this oh look at this oh i'm gonna do this now and it's like dude just make a fucking car oh my god (laughs) yeah and I mean, honestly, as a uh, someone who's a little bit ADD and and kind of stupid, I would probably run a car company just as poorly as him. But uh, it is kind of fun to to shit on him, you know. I mean, he's the one actually. Doing no, he's it, an asshole. Me. So yeah, we get to shit on him. <laughs> I think we, at the very least, would also uh, probably try and know ourselves and be like, we should distribute some decision making power to the workers. Yes. Yes. Otherwise, it's going to be my ADHD project. <laughs> like, yes. you know. Yeah. Yeah. See the uh, previous discussion episode on our, you know, fantasy car. Uh, what is it? Fantasy car company, something yeah. like that. I forget what we called yep. it. For all of my dumb ideas, I thought they were great ideas. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. I think I missed that one, which bums me out. I really wanted to be on oh. that one. Oh well, well maybe we'll that sometime. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Start thinking of your your decisions of what you would do. <laughs> oh man, I already have so many. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Listeners, write in with your ideas too. Yeah, we'll read them. Yes. Even if they're really stupid. Almost especially if they're really stupid. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> yeah, the if you've been listening better. to this show, you know what we're looking for. <laughs> um, I'm going to make a high-tech electric car company that doesn't use good tech. Well, and that I'm already exists. Call it, That's not original. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to call it... Uh, Edison. Edison. Yeah, there you go. So... Enough about Edison, uh, the fictional car company. Back ooh, to th- ooh, I'm gonna make a. I'm gonna name a, a car company after Tycho Brahe, and it's just gonna be a drunk moose that you have to ride around on. <laughs> okay, wait, hold on. Who is that? He was a he was an astronomer, like in the Middle Ages, who uh, was also like a aristocrat and had a pet moose that got drunk at parties. This sounds awesome. I am all for this. Yeah. I mean, he was a, a shitty person uh, to like his uh, vassals or serfs or peasants or whatever. But uh, like, you know, that it is kind of interesting, like how the parallels of like, if you give some asshole a bunch of money, he's going to do dumb shit and occasionally maybe do some science. Yeah, that was kind of like, you know, what the Renaissance was all about. Hmm. So like this guy would like just throw a rager parties and like get in duels and got his nose cut off at one point. Um yeah. Wow. Fun stuff. Human history. Tycho man. Brahe. Look him up. Human history. Yeah. Something. Sorry. Sorry to go off on a tangent there. Ah, but... it is what it is. Our show is. Our <laughs> show is mostly based around tangents. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, uh, Tesla uh, applied with the with a Texas agency to sell electricity on the retail market in the state. Um. 
So it would uh, it would actually do this through a new subsidiary, Tesla Energy Ventures. Of course, um, CEO Elon Musk and his companies have grown their presence in Texas in recent months, uh, most notably because he moved there, which, you know, conservatives love to be like, he left the liberal state. Now he's in Texas. And it's like, okay, all right. Yes, yes, we, we heard the, the idiot did the idiot thing. We know. So Elon Musk just moved to Texas. Uh, now he wants to sell electricity to uh, people in the Lone Star State. Um, as Texas Monthly reported on Thursday, which this article is a little bit old now. So, uh, you know, reported at some point. Texas applied with the Public Utility Commissioner of Texas earlier in August to sell power on the retail market through a no subsidiary dubbed Tesla Energy Ventures. Uh, and the magazine reports that Tesla could sell energy directly to the state's deregulated electricity grid, which is called ERCOT, E-R-C-O-T. Um, Texas is the only state with its own power grid that doesn't share energy uh, with neighboring states. So as we all remember, uh, when it snowed in Texas, the power went out and no one could help them because they have their own power grid. Uh, and then the power also went out when it got too hot in Texas because their power grid is was deregulated and it's run for profit. And, you know, yeah, it, it has the natural outcome that we would expect. <laughs> and now Elon Musk is going to get involved. <laughs> Can't wait. This can yep. only be good. <laughs> There's no way he's going to make it worse. Yeah, definitely no way that's going to happen. <clears throat> So uh, the move could let Texans whose homes are outfitted with solar panels share power with the state's electrical grid, which like side note, I thought that like that was the whole selling point of solar panels anyway, was that like if you don't use the power, you sell it back to the grid. I thought that was like kind of the whole thing. So maybe that's not how it works. Yeah, I mean, I was actually looking into this myself and different states have different regulations like um I saw this video of this guy in uh, Utah, I believe. And basically, like, you you give, um, uh, basically, you'll get, like, 10% of, or you, you the, 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 the utility takes 10%. So they give you, like, 90% of the value of the energy that you produce. So it's, like, it's not, and they do it off of the, like, the lower rate. Because, like, there's different rates for, like, peak hours sure, and yeah. non-peak hours. Um, so they, they're, you know, they're getting the better end of the deal. The utility is usually. Which, I mean, is But you fine. can. Re- I mean, really, yeah. it's like, yeah, that's fine. I'm getting power from the sun. <laughs> like, fine. Right. Um, and I want to say um, Florida actually um, made some kind of law to protect the utility companies where, like, you're not allowed to sell power back because, of course, Florida is a uh, right-wing hellhole. Yeah. Um, I, and I Which is know. weird because it is, like... I'm not sure if that's true. It's actually, like... It's funny because Florida is, like, kind of a purple state in terms of, like, the people living there, but, like, they just have the worst right-wing fucking, like, government because, you know, the system is broken. Or, well... Working as intended, and as intended means right wing. Um, yeah, I, I was I was wrong. I think they do they do allow you to sell 
your your power back to the utility, but the the utility lobbies are trying to um, squash that. They're trying to change the law. Um, so that that was Florida. I think there's there's at least three states where you're not allowed to um, sell power back to the grid, hmm. but I don't know what those states are. Yeah, that's um, I don't know. That sucks. I, like again, I thought that yeah. was kind of like the whole thing is that would help us not use as much like coal and natural gas and shit like that if some of that power was generated from people's homes um so uh as the outlet noted uh that could even allow those homes to operate as their own power plant i mean duh uh connected via the state's grid so like yeah the duh the (laughs) that that note seems like it was not necessary (laughs) so according to the filing Tesla could leverage its network of solar panel customers in the state to build a user base, marketing to them through the mobile app and website. All very weird. Um, Federal energy data shows that Texans have installed more than one gigawatt of personal solar panels to date for the report. The commission will decide on the application's approval or disapproval in November. So, I don't know. It seems like there's a lot of complicated weird stuff with this. So like there's details that I'm sure will be out later. Um, But the new initiative would follow uh, Tesla's already reported move to build two giant mega batteries in Texas, which I didn't know they were doing until, you know, this story came up. Um, So one near Austin, close to the Gigafactory site that's still under construction and one another near Houston as Bloomberg reported in March. So these like mega batteries, um, I really didn't know were a thing, um, but that's kind of the next like step in, especially with like solar and wind power, being able to actually store energy to kind of go out to people's homes. Whereas like what we have now, essentially like the power is generated and then it just goes out to the grid pretty much immediately. And then they like just um, either do or don't produce where they, you know, they change how much they're producing, but this would allow some amount of energy storage. Yeah, and and like I've, I don't know, I I I think the whole energy storage thing is a little bit suspect. Like I, like I definitely want, you know, I think you know renewable energy is the way to go in the future. But like, there's a lot of problems with the whole energy storage thing that they haven't worked out yet. Like I know in. Um, like if, if you're in a hilly area or a mountainous area, you can do like um, pumped hydro storage that's, you know, a lot more efficient um, and cost effective than like battery storage. And you don't have to like mine uh, lithium or whatever. But uh, like that's basically where you pump water up into a reservoir and then um, let it flow through a turbine downhill when you need the power. Um, there's other... Hmm people have tested things where you have just like a real heavy rail car on a slope and it goes up and down, uh, you know, railroad basically and uses the gravity as the storage, uh, medium there. Hmm. But like, I, I do, I am a little bit suspect of this whole push towards, you know, let's just put a shit ton of, uh, batteries in, into the grid. Like, I don't know if that's a long-term solution, but well, so, I mean, initially my initial thoughts would be, that was redundant (laughs) Uh, my initial thoughts on it would be that it seems like kind of a logical solution to you know our our power needs 
there's definitely kinks that need to be worked out though like big big right. kinks like i'm fine with hey you know battery store power we need to store power cool that seems like a natural solution to me but doing it safely and effectively kind of a different story yeah and and if i mean if we can get a little speculative here i think well we never i, I want to say it was Corey. <laughs> I, I want to say it was uh, Corey Doctorow who was talking about like in sort of a post-capitalist uh, um, society, we could have, you know, production and work that that revolves around like when um, power is available. So it's hmm. like um, you you go to the factory and or the office or whatever and do your job while there's, you know, um, while the sun is shining or there's wind or whatever, uh, you know, energy production method we have. And then, you know, if it gets cloudy, you just, you know, take a break and go home or whatever. I like the um, sound of that. Like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I am yeah. moving to Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But also like a lot of this, these kind of, you know, problems of like demand and supply of energy, would be solved if like the grid was more interconnected and you didn't have this dumb shit in Texas where that's like all privatized and deregulated and separated from the national grid, you know, like, so if there was less capitalism if, if, involved. Yes. I mean, and just more interconnectedness. Sure. If that's a yeah. word. I, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, <clears throat> you know, article goes on to, point out obviously texas still reeling from a brutal uh, wave of power outages caused from you know both cold and hot weather um people you know uh, more than 100 people died and millions of texans were left without power for days in the bitter cold Um, since then some electricity suppliers have left the market which seems like the opposite of the thing you would want to happen Um, and 13 new ones have applied with the PUC to sell power in Texas, the commission told Texas Monthly. Um, So Elon Musk is just one of those. Uh, As for Musk, he said last year that he's moving to Texas and both his boring company and Tesla have a large presence there. So Elon Musk will save us from, you know, problems in Texas. Yay. I'm glad I don't live there. Which oh yeah no there's all kinds of shit going on in Texas right now like like I, I was listening to um, Pod Damn America podcast and and Jake Flores one of the hosts was on tour through Texas they I guess passed a law that um, if a venue uh, tries to uh, like mandate that people wear masks inside um, they can get their liquor license revoked Jesus so. Yeah. My God. I mean, on top of everything else that's in the news, like with abortion and everything, it's it's a fucked place. Yeah. I mean, even outside of their politics, which I'm sure at this point we probably do have some listeners in Texas. If you don't want to hear me trash talk your state, you should turn off the uh, episode now. Maybe skip ahead a few minutes. <laughs> um, I mean, I think we've trash talked Texas in a couple other episodes, too. Yeah, but I've but... never been aware of it. Like, I've never thought about it. <laughs> I fucking hate Texas. I've driven through it so many times, um, especially when I drove over the road. It is the most boring landscape I can imagine. Uh, there's a few spots that are cool. 
Uh, they're all on the western part of the state. So around El Paso is kind of cool. Uh, and the rest is awful. It's boring. There's fucking nothing there. Everything's a highway. Their highway system fucking blows. Yeah, the landscape's awful. It's nothing but strip malls. Texas is just strip malls. That's what it is. And frontage roads. Oh, my God. There's like highways and frontage roads just like yes. extending outward, widening con- constantly. It's, it's so crazy. They're, you know, everything about it. I'm just like, oh, my God. It was the most boring place I ever went. I had to drive through it a whole lot. So I've spent many, many hours driving through Texas, and it is just the fucking worst. Hate it. <laughs> Hated every minute of it. Um, although, and weirdly enough, they, I, I don't know if there's only one or what, I think they just have abandoned ass highways there that are just like straight up not used. Um, I, oh yeah, I stumbled upon one when I was like going for a hike around a truck stop in Laredo, Texas, which is like a border town. And I stumbled on like just a spooky overgrown highway that I was like, what? I like walked through this like construction zone whatever i'm like i'm not supposed to be back here but whatever and then next thing i know i'm like oh this is weird this is like an old highway with you know just clearly not in use and it just goes on for miles and miles and i was like wow very weird place so yeah Yeah. texas very very strange also whataburger mediocre yes yeah yeah they're yeah nothing special there man texas sucks (laughs) <laughs> in every way i got a i got a real i got a real hot take here i don't think in and out is any better it's, definitely it's not, not that great it's definitely not yeah people talk about it like it's the best fucking thing eh, it's fine yeah i mean yeah, for the colorado listeners i think good times is pretty pretty good burger place hmm. you know oh, haven't yeah. been there probably on par with uh you know in and out or <clears throat> What a burger. Okay, well you can't say it's pretty I think good times is way better. Yeah, you can't be like this one's way good, better. these these are kind of shitty and like kind of suck, but like they're about the same. No. Well, okay. <laughs> I, I'm saying at least on par, you know. Like, I mean, I, I if if there was all three next to each other, I would probably go to um to good times. There you go. Okay. But uh sure, don't get the sure. good don't get the guacamole though at good times that that's not Hmm. yeah Yeah. really any fast food place do try their frozen custard though yeah and the wild frozen custard is awesome oh yeah yeah except they charge like 35 cents per packet of wild sauce which is fucking bullshit sauce should be free yeah that's it upsets me every time i go there but that's a whole yeah that's a different yeah that's bullshit no i'm with you Well, okay, aside yeah. from... Can you tell I'm hungry? <laughs> uh, aside from our little uh, tangent here on uh, f- local fast food chains. Um, so speaking of uh, Tesla batteries, <clears throat> Tesla Megapack uh, Fire highlights issues to be solved for utility big batteries. Yeah. Yep. So naturally that's coming. Uh, this was published in early August, so somewhat late news, but, you know whatever it's breaking news on our podcast where we're late and we're not by our standards. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, uh, which I actually have some notes here. Okay. So a fire occurred, um, within a Tesla mega pack at one of the largest batteries in the world in Australia's Victoria state on Friday morning. 
whatever, Friday in early August. So Paris-based renewable energy giant Neoin uh, worked with Tesla and Osnet services to develop the grid-scale project. The state of Victoria is aiming for a renewable energy target of 50% by 2030. Now, the cause of the fire at the Victorian big battery site in Geelong, Victoria is not yet known. And as far as I know, it still isn't, but I'll probably double check that in a minute. Uh, It burned for four days and took 150 firefighters to extinguish. Wow. Yeah. I'm beginning to think that the only thing Tesla produces is (laughs) flamethrowers. Yes. As much as their shit catches on fire. So their their cars burst into flames. They obviously have the the actual flamethrowers. Their batteries burst into flames. Oh, I can't wait. That AI robot we were just talking about, probably going to burst into flames. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah. I mean, the rockets, of course, but that's, you know, on purpose. Yeah. And that's a different company, technically. Well, they're all di- they're all different companies, but it's all Elon Musk. Um, Yeah, they're on paper. It's all the same company in my book. Different companies. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the battery is owned and operated by renewable energy giant uh, Neoin and was developed along with partners including Tesla Energy and Osnet with some construction by Simic Group's UGL. I don't know. Uh, Tesla has not disclosed what types of cells it used in the megapacks for this project, nor from which suppliers. Um, While the Victorian big battery is not the first system of its kind, it is one of the world's largest battery energy storage systems. Um, Tesla's power pack and megapack products are probably best known or probably the best known big batteries, uh, but competitors abound, including uh, from LG Energy Solutions, SK Innovation, Northvolt, and Powin Energy. So I had no idea there was this many companies doing this, but I don't know. Apparently, there's a whole little industry. So results of the investigation will be closely watched and could influence the way such systems are designed and built, uh, according to Paul Christensen a professor of electrochemistry at Newcastle University whose research focuses on lithium-ion battery fires and safety. Uh, among other things, developers of utility-scale batteries need to offer a means of monitoring the system that would allow owners, operators, and fire crews to see what's going on inside the system at any time. So I want to kind of highlight that point real quick. Developers <laughs> think they need to offer a means of monitoring the system. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that. Do do they not have that? (laughs) Like, hey, maybe we should see what's going on in here sometimes. That would be a good thing, right? So I would imagine, like, to me, this sounds like, okay, they've probably got, like, a basic fire detection system or, like, smoke detectors. But, like, uh, they don't seem to have much else in the way of monitoring, which seems fucking crazy to me. But also knowing who's involved here seems totally believable that they have no monitor oh huh i guess there could be problems we should probably have a way to look for those right well and i mean this particular system i think is outside just out in the open i mean it's it's enclosed in some kind of boxes or whatever but like i know that tesla is selling i think what they call the power wall which is basically a big lithium hour uh lithium battery that you mount to the wall of your garage or whatever that's for energy storage for solar panels or whatever. Um, 
And so like you'd think with that kind of thing, you'd have to, you'd, you'd want some kind of like fire suppression system. Yeah. You know, yeah, that would make sense. If, if it's going inside someone's <clears throat> house in their garage or whatever, like, yeah, I mean, lithium batteries are flammable, you know, it's, it's happened quite a few times. I mean, of course, gasoline is flammable. There's plenty of cars that catch on fire, but like, yeah, but your house isn't run on gasoline. Most of the, most right. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, also water puts out gas fires pretty easily. I mean, relatively versus a lithium ion fire, which as we've seen in the past with Tesla's burning to the ground takes, you know, tens of times more water to put out. Right. Yeah. Actually, you know, so, you know, while I'm thinking about, you know, doing kind of going through a career change, I should really consider being a firefighter because, like, that's going to be real in demand <laughs> soon, given where we're headed. I mean, <laughs> you, you got to have the mustache yeah. for that. Though. I have a mustache. I mean, oh, yeah, so I'd have to shave the, the rest too. of it. Yeah, uh, I don't think yeah. I like that. Yeah, I guess I don't like that. I guess no firefighting for me. You got to leave the handlebar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I'm willing to do that. Except yeah. I do that every time, um, which is very rare. But I have shaved a couple times, and I've, you know, when I shave, I like leave various parts intact and like take pictures as I do it. I think everyone does yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Very, just trying to be relatable. Come on, we all do it. It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so uh, our professor here. Uh, Christensen also said that these systems should be designed to allow space for first responders to maneuver around and aim a hose. Didn't know that was a concern either. Um, <laughs> plenty of water should be available on site uh, with enough hydrants installed. Uh, containers would ideally have dead pipes that are capped and stick out, allowing firefighters to connect a hose and then step away and flood the container to extinguish the flames from a safe distance. Which, I mean, seems like a perfectly reasonable idea to me. Like, you know, just put the water right to where it needs to go. Yeah, it seems like a good solution. Yeah. But it probably has a cost associated with it. So I don't know if they're going to want to do that. It could cost upwards of $200. So. Yeah. Yeah. Really breaking the bank on that. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I do know someone whose who's dad, uh, I don't know if he still does, was a uh, um, fire sprinkler uh fitter so he would you know build that into to new buildings and i i believe that that can get pretty expensive for fire suppression systems and i don't know if it's rated differently for um lithium batteries you know well given what we've but, heard probably <laughs> yeah i mean i i think it would be cool if they do that uh what's it halon gas or whatever that just like chokes out all the oxygen like in what is it terminator 2 i think I don't that know. That seems like it could kill a lot of so people. So there's though. like, <laughs> like <laughs> Oh yeah, no. That so it's like the heavy metal fire suppression system. Or I don't know. Whatever. You know what? Maybe it's a bad idea. Never mind. Forget I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, given that, they do say uh, at the moment water remains the best way to suppress a fire in any lithium ion battery energy storage system. Uh, whether it's in a ship, an electric car, or a bus, uh, or a giant system to store and dispatch energy at a power plant. So, you know, apparently water is the best option still, even though it takes multiple days and hundreds of thousands of gallons of water. <laughs> Doesn't bode well. Um, <clears throat> researchers are exploring other suppressants and approaches, 
Uh, but fires burn particularly hot, and repeated reignition is a risk with lithium-ion battery cells. So, yeah, kind of uh, kind of an issue. Um, now, the uh, if the fires keep happening, the professor fears that uh, that could have a chilling effect on investments in big batteries, which, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, even though they provide major environmental and cost benefits and help protect communities from long blackouts. The number of instances, um, this is a quote, um, the number of instances involving lithium-ion batteries, fires, and explosions of all kinds, in terms of the number of lithium-ion batteries on the planet, is still tiny, I guess, uh, Christensen said. Uh, When an electric vehicle or a big energy storage installation goes up, it's big news, this can cause a disproportionate amount of worry. Although, it does seem like it happens pretty frequently. I mean, it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, it's tiny, sort of, but, like, this stuff's still really new. So, like, there shouldn't be that many, you know, fires and explosions. Um, So, there have been around 40 known fires that have occurred within large-scale lithium-ion battery energy storage systems. Jesus, that's a mouthful. Uh, According to Christensen's research, those incidents, most of which occurred in the past three years, date back to 2012 and include four fires at three facilities in the U.S., in Arizona, Wisconsin, and Illinois. So I didn't hear about any of these before, but, you know, it's about 40 of them out of however many. Um, Yeah, there's there's been several, you know, past disasters and uh, yeah, they're pretty bad. There's been issues in. Uh, yeah, Arizona, which injured four emergency responders and is the most profound incident at a big battery uh, in the U.S. to date. Um, and then there was another one in Beijing. Two firefighters died. One more was injured and another first responder was missing after responding to a fire in a lithium ion phosphate or excuse me, a lithium iron phosphate battery, uh, which was connected to a rooftop solar install- installation at a shopping mall. Uh, Lithium-iron phosphate batteries are currently considered to be the safest form of lithium-ion battery uh, because the structure of the material in its cathode doesn't break down until higher temperatures compared to other types of batteries. For example, that contain nickel-manganese-cobalt. I don't know. You know, I'm I'm a little surprised there's not just more lead-acid batteries for storage. Like, I, I know they're not, you know, they're they're not... They don't have the energy density that lithium does, but like they're cheap. That's and true. If you're doing a stationary power setup, you know, it doesn't really matter how power dense it is. Yeah, that's true. But I don't know. That's true. Um, yeah, it all, it does almost make you uh, make you wonder. Yeah. So anyway, um, at least for this fire, the Tesla Mega Pack fire in the Victorian Big Battery was safely contained with no injuries reported. Um, so that's a bit of good news. Um, these fires are tough to put out, but I don't know. Hopefully the technology gets a little bit better and they actually start paying attention to putting monitors in the system and like safety stuff like fire suppression systems. That would be cool. You know, they put safety first instead of safety third or whatever. (laughs) Um, yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Elon Musk made another product that uh, burst into flames. Naturally, yeah. and and I don't know if we want to talk about this that this on uh, on this episode, but like uh, there's uh, a couple instances lately where they've been like colliding with um, emergency vehicles. Or did we talk about that on the last one? I forget. 
I think we talked about it before, but um, I've certainly shared okay. memes about it. Um, yeah, Tesla Autopilot yeah. Um, is totally confused by uh, emergency vehicles. So, like when when if you're if you're in a Tesla driving on autopilot and you're near a cop with flashing lights, good chance that car's going to hit it. So, uh, so if any of our listeners happen to drive a Tesla for some reason, um, and you see any emergency lights, you better shut that fucking full self-driving off as quick as you can, because you're going to go careening right towards it. (laughs) Um, yeah, they have a real tendency to do that. And I don't think they've released why. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think we talked about some of the other problems that that they have with the self-driving and maybe we'll do a little bit more of a deep dive on that later in a future episode, but um, we'll we will, but it's worth noting since we're talking about the full self-driving, what, um, what Tesla is uh, charging on that, which is kind of like old news, but I do have the, um, I do have the article here somewhere. Ah, okay. So Tesla launches full self-driving subscription package uh, at, $200 per month and it aims to deliver level 5 full self-driving system um, so Elon Musk's Tesla Inc. launched its full self-driving subscription for its driver assistance software package for $200 a month which to me is what a fucking car payment should cost like can you imagine just <laughs> so like the upfront cost like if you just buy it outright it's $10,000 um, yeah which like it's and it's a one-time payment, so I don't think you can add that to like your monthly car payment. Like if you want the full self-driving, you got to pony up ten fucking grand to the dealer. I'm pretty sure. Um, yeah, a one-time payment of ten thousand dollars. That's a big fucking deal. Um, yeah, and and I I also saw that they're um prior they're prioritizing orders that um that pay for the uh, full self-driving option. So they're basically saying we'll deliver your car sooner if you give us ten thousand dollars. Yep. Um, so they're doing that <clears throat> now. If you can't afford the ten thousand dollars, you can do the monthly subscription, which seems like oh, okay, that's more reasonable. But like at two hundred dollars a month, can you imagine like how you would justify that? Like oh, in order to just have a shitty, terrible autopilot that isn't really autopilot, I can pay two hundred dollars every month. To sit in this, to yeah. sit in the driver's seat, and like, still have my hands on the wheel, but the car does all the work. You're like, yeah, the car's doing all the work, huh? With your hands on the wheel, sitting in the seat, paying attention, but the car's doing all the work. Gotcha. <laughs> like, so for two hundred dollars a month, you can have the privilege of the car having cruise control, basically. Which, I mean, that's what it is. It's cruise control, so. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> so, uh, they do note that the um, the full self-driving feature would cost $99 a month for those who previously bought the enhanced autopilot package. Ooh. So it'll cost less if you have something else that, by the name, should also be good, but it is not somehow. Um, and according to Tesla, vehicle owners can cancel their monthly subscription at any time. You know, the current features do not make the vehicle autonomous. Instead, the vehicles require a fully attentive driver. So again, $200 a month for the privilege of nothing. And I'm sure people are paying it. So 
Seems like a pretty good grift, if you ask me. Um, but yeah, Tesla sucks. <laughs> That's all the news I got for uh, for this episode. For now, <laughs> there's there's other news we could do, but uh, you know we did uh, we had a lot of tangents, and uh, this is the news that matters: the Nissan Z and Elon Musk fucking things up. I think covers yeah. most of the bases for us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Afghanistan. What's that? I don't know. <laughs> not 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 in the remit of this podcast. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> well, anyway, we could probably tie it yeah. somehow. I think they have Hilux. Yeah, yeah. There. Maybe we should. I mean, I know. Uh, well, there's your problem. Did a, a I think it was a bonus episode about technicals, which is you know like when you get a machine gun and mount it on the back of a pickup truck. Hmm. So. They managed to fill some time talking about that. Hmm. But uh, I don't know. Very nice option, that seems like. Yeah. Well, anything else before we uh, stop the recording here? Um, oh, uh, just back to, uh, you know, the, the normal stuff. Follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You know, we're Cars and Comrades podcast. Uh, and then we're also on, you know, Reddit and Hexbear and... Uh, I think that's I think that's the main ones. Uh, we also have an email at uh, carsandcomrades at gmail.com. Uh, email us. Let us know what you think of the show. Give us ideas. You know, tell us your stories. Um, and yeah. yeah, get in touch with us if you are um, any kind of woman, trans person, person of color, any anyone who maybe has a different experience in the car scene than uh, us four cis white guys might have. Uh, we would love to have some new perspectives on the show. Um, so please get in touch with us if you would like to uh, be part of that. Yeah, or just if you have an unhinged rant, um, you know, that'll be entertaining if nothing else. Yeah, I do like unhinged rants. I'm I'm one to go on them myself, so I can appreciate a good one. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, follow us on social media. Uh, hit us up if you want to be like, you know, come on the show. We like hearing from listeners and, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll you know, do the show with people because, yeah. And then, uh, you know, rate the podcast if you like us, hopefully five stars, N- nothing less. Don't do it. So only good reviews. That's what we need. Yeah. If you can give us like five hammers and sickles on some app, then do that. Yeah, that would be better. Stars otherwise are fine. Yeah. <laughs> Stars are cool. <laughs> uh, so that's all I got. So uh, thanks for listening and uh, adios, listeners. Bye. See ya. Bye. Bye. We're going to make you pay five to five bits. We're going to make you pay five to water bits. We're going to fight riches and not riches, but we're going to fight the solidarity. We said we're not going to fight capitalism with black capitalism, but we're going to fight the socialism. <laughs> Amazingly, or not so amazingly, Cuba's crime rate is one of the lowest in the entire hemispheres. Oddly enough, it seems that when people have their basic human needs met, they're less likely to commit crimes. My calculations are correct. When this baby hits 88 miles per hour, you're going to see some serious shit. The free market mythology, it argues that the most ruthless, selfish, opportunistic, greedy, calculating plunderers 
applying the most heartless measures in cold-blooded pursuit of corporate interest and wealth accumulation will produce the best results for all of us. Through something called the invisible hand. <laughs> what are you smiling about? Dude, I almost had you.